Today's show was recorded on October the 30th, 2018. I'm your host, Spooky Gaming Psychologist, and with me, as always, Spooky... Caffeine Rage! (laughs) On today's show, we're going to be talking about the games that we played. We're going to be having our scary October game club, playing the scariest game of all, Dwarf Fortress. We're going to discuss what next month's game club game is. We'll be having our weekly community corner and a Steam weekly discovery queue as long as time permits and we don't go too far into left field. Timestamps will be in the show notes following their respective topics. Hello, Rage. Hello. I say once again as if we haven't already been (laughs) chatting for like 30 minutes. We got like this is another one where we've got basically a full Franken episode from the pre-show stuff. Yeah, I told a story uh, about my trip to the... Yeah, a little bit of minor cutting out of stuff and... Yeah, we're good to go. But I told my story about going to the eye doctor and and fucking two robots. Yeah, no, no, no. Let's be, be uh, let's be honest. The robots fucked you. That's true. That's true. I was uh, skull fucked by two robots at the eye doctor. But when the Franken episode comes out with that, you'll uh, you'll get to hear all about it. Uh, I also, think you're supposed politics. to be selling, uh, you know, the the Franken episodes, not turning people off from them. Nah. Then we talked some politics, we talked about internet speeds, and now we're here. Yeah. How are you, Rage? You already asked you that, and you already <laughs> said. Um, uh, well, fairly good. Well, that's good. Me too. Tomorrow, going to be doing some trick-or-treating. Uh, well, have... I'm not going to be trick-or-treating. I'm going to be handing out candy where I live, and also have the Halloween party for the apartment complex, and I got two trays of uh, meatballs uh, chilling in the uh, refrigerator to make all fancy tomorrow. Nice. Yeah, you'll have to put some pictures on Twitter about those because I, I, they they were cute. The picture you, sent, you you showed me. Yeah, that was my test batch. Uh, yeah. Basically, meatballs uh, wrapped in uh, croissant dough uh, like they're little mummies with uh, mustard or ketchup eyes. They, yeah. They turned out adorable. really well. They're adorbs. Um, yeah, and then we're all going to be going out as the Incredibles tomorrow. Although Katie might not because she's sick again. I made her go to the doctor and get medicine this time, though. I'm like, babe, we have insurance that we pay for. We should use it. Oh. But hopefully she'll be better. If not, it'll be me as Mr. Incredible, which, again, like I've said before, it works because he's fat at the beginning of the first movie. (laughs) Well, I was about to say, you know, the uh, it also works if uh, Katie can't go because then you're doing the whole Mister Mom thing. Yep, from yep from the second one, so that works. Uh, and then King is going to be Dash, and my mom is talking about coming, and she got a, an Incredibles costume too, but she can't be um, Elastigirl because that would be weird. So <laughs> I don't know who she's going to be. Violet, Edna Mode. I guess. Because she, she's short. No, Edna. Oh, that would be amazing if she was Edna. But no, my my son was like, you have to get an, an Incredibles costume too. And my mom was like, oh, of course I will. Because, you know, that's what she does. Uh, she would have been perfect for Edna then if she's short. She is. She's short. She's, I don't know, five foot two. 
Uh, does I'm, she also I'm, have a bit of a statistic side, you know? Well, she's a radical conservative Christian, so I guess so. Boom! Sick burn on my mom. Glad she doesn't listen to this podcast. As far as you know. Yeah. I don't think she does. There's too much profanity. She likes to think that I'm a perfect little angel. And here are the one. Not that uh, I, here's the one I thought. Uh, I thought I was the profane one. Well, any amount of profanity is too much for my mother, especially when it comes out of my mouth. Love you, mom. Mwah. Well, considering what's uh, also been in your mouth, the uh, curse words is probably the least of your problems. Yeah, not well, enough I, soap in the world to ro- to wash out all those dicks. Oh, well, I was going to say robots. <laughs> I was going to say the robot dicks. Yeah. Well, look Anyways. at it this way. At least you're well lubricated now. All the oil, right? I am. I am indeed. So how do we want to do games we played this week? Because I have several <laughs> more than you do. Do you want to alternate until we run? you run out and then and then I'll do my last couple? Uh, do I have any that really ties into any of yours? I uh, guess not. I kind of want to skip to my second one since we are talking about robots. So let's go ahead and do that. Sure, go for it. And I'll uh, swap the order in the show notes so that they're proper. So since we're talking about robots and fucking, grand, that second one may not tie in uh, all the way, but we have, uh, I played a bit of The Colonist on stream. And this is a bit of an oddity. And if this game had one thing on its store page, I'd be singing its praises. A blue box. Okay. Because this really feels like an early access title. But it isn't. This gotcha. Is, this is one of the games that all the systems feel pretty good uh, overall, but there's not a lot of content there. And when I first started playing it, it started to feel like, this starts to feel like an early access title. And I was thinking that maybe the level select screen uh, scrolls. No, no, it doesn't. It has nine levels total. It has, uh, it, it technically has a campaign, but I wouldn't want to call it more of a scenario mode that ties everything together, sort of. I mean, it has a loose story about how the robots uh, uh, were created to simulate human life and they uh, decided uh, they had to escape to uh, humanity in order to. Uh, live free, uh, but all they need to, uh, all they know is how to uh, simulate humans. So, you know, you have things like robots that grow sheep to make meat to take to homes to create uh, essentially a biofuel uh, canister that powers other robots. Like I said, it's kind of weird. There's this whole thing where it feels all uh, sort of like they half asked a conversion from something like the settlers to a more robotic. Uh, sci-fi thing but then there's other things that make me think that this was a design all along particularly the road system which I touched on uh, during the discovery queue where it has a very Factorio feel to it overall and actually a very Dwarf Fortress feel to some of the, uh, to some extent because it's all about subsystems and about management of different parts of an overall colony or fortress or whatever you want to call it where it's all in supply chain so you uh, 
dig up uh, the stone and the stone is uh, made to stone blocks. The stone blocks are used in research or the stone blocks are used in construction for other things. Uh, logs are uh, uh, from uh, down trees. Yeah, as you do. Uh, but the trees right. to go in, uh, to a lumber mill become planks to be made into other things. Or research could also use planks or, uh, to uh, research certain things. So you can see how yeah, uh, the supply chain starts to really work on this. Uh, but because there's so many things floating around, the road system uh, starts to get a little micromanagey because everything is essentially uh, moved around either via a ship, a train, or essentially a bucket brigade on the road system itself. There's two types of roads. There's what they call roads, but I want to almost just call them, like I said, a bucket brigade, where as you put down the roads, they're put down in segments. And on each segment, there's a dedicated hauler. And at the end of each segment, there's a post that you could uh, flag or, uh, either whitelist, blacklist uh, certain uh, items to be able to try to micromanage the individual um, resources going down them. But each post also has a cap of how many resources could be at it. And I was hitting a point where if I wasn't being very, very, very careful on uh, what was being packed in a certain way, I would hit a roadblock to such extreme where it would just completely bottleneck and the robots would shut down because uh, it couldn't resolve the uh, log jam, essentially. Granted, I wasn't having a problem with logs going down that, but yeah, the word fits, right? Yeah. Uh, Because uh, I guess the uh, items are coming in uh, two separate directions. And I think there's a cap of five or six items on each post. And essentially, the robot uh, was sandwiched in between two uh, stacks that it couldn't uh, resolve. So I had to either go in and start manually deleting things, but you know that's just kicking the problem down the road. Or start black flagging a lot of items and build essentially just a secondary bus, barring a term from Factorio. Which, like I said, this game has a bit of a factorial feel to it because of all the subsystems and uh, uh, moving resources around to different sub-areas to run through different processes. So that's, yeah, like I said, very micromanagey. And I'm not certain if the pathfinding on the items is 100% there because there was some times that uh, the pathfinding was doing some little bit of odd things, like everything wanted to go down this particular path even though there was another one that was shorter, which I, I'm not sure if it was just, you know, like the bucket brigade. Uh, I was using uh, six uh, long segments. Uh, the The game is built around a tile system, but then again, that's pretty much every single one of these games, right? Some sort of tile system overall. Well, the problem was that I think... I was hitting a segment that was having a six long segment going into a couple of fours. And because the six takes so much longer because the uh, uh, starting roads are so slow, the fours were just overwhelming that section. I, I know it sounds yeah, very technical and it is very technical, but I did like that, you know, once I started to you know, really tear it down. But it's also kind of grindy because every single level is either a sandbox level where it's 
you know, your end goal is essentially to build the monument. Think of it as like launching the rocket in Factorio. Only instead right. of taking okay. multiple days, uh, game time, I should say, it's a few hours. And every single level is essentially just adding a little bit more to it. And the levels are static. There's not a lot of replayability outside of just trying to get a better time or trying to min-max a little bit, which is a bit disappointing. They have said that they're going to work on a sandbox mode for this, which the fact that it doesn't have a sandbox mode is just baffling considering this is a $25 game. You know? Yeah, I was way back when you said it's only got nine levels. I was going to say, well, it's got a sandbox mode, right? No. Not yet. Oh. Well, I guess I'll uh, wait a little longer. I was thinking about buying. It has nine levels, and one is full-out tutorial. Uh, the next two are essentially adding to the tutorial. Uh, one is essentially just introducing the in-game state, you know, the monument. And the next one is adding shipping, and there was trains unlockable, but I'm not sure if I would have really had to use it, but it was a set of at least just three islands. I'm not sure if there was more on the map. But it was also... I'm not sure if something in the patch broke it or if it's just you know, my uh, system having a fit with uh, Unity again. But I was getting some severe uh, frame droppage until you know, just the game lagged so hard that you know it was just more worthwhile for me to reset uh, on my stream. But it could just also be stream, uh, yeah, a streamer thing, right? Because games yeah, sometimes... Act oddly with OBS to be on top of things. Yeah. Uh, but trying to think of anything else really relevant here. Like I said, this is one of those games that there's a lot of systems in play. But some of them... Uh, uh, there's a lot of graphs that you could uh, look at to figure out your uh, actual resource production and your actual demand. Yeah, uh, which really uh, makes it feel a lot more factorial-esque, I should say. You know, be able to sit down and figure out, okay, I'm technically not producing enough energy, but that's only if everything's going full tilt. But because uh, the lumber mills are just feeding into a stockpile and they're not running full time, or I should say the lumberjacks, uh, because there's uh, uh, different uh, stockpiles that you can put down and uh, I think there are 16 uh, units and then 40 units. And each individual workshop or production uh, step only has a very, very, very small uh, in- internal uh, stockpile. So you'll want at least a couple stockpiles. Uh, so if you uh, have a stockpile where you have enough to essentially take that hit of uh, max demand for a short time, then you can just slowly refill it. There's a lot of uh, uh, give and tank on it. I'm not sure if there's a lot of different play styles in this, though, because I was only on level three of nine. Then again, you know, I was a third of the way through the game as well, you know? So, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, that, that's the big takeaway from it is the fact that there's only nine levels uh, with no generation on there at all. If there was some sort of random generation, maybe. And I will say that there is a uh, player versus AI mode. But I didn't mess with it because it felt like it was more prudent to go down the sandbox route to understand a bit more of the game before playing against an AI, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, that would make sense. I will say that the robots are actually uh, very adorable. They remind me of uh, Rob from the NES era, you know? Uh, just the yeah. square head. And uh, certain robots have different styles, like the ones that run the orchard, uh, which the orchard makes apples, which the apples go into a cider press. The cider press produces hard cider, or cider, depending on where you live. That goes into the level two houses to, uh, because they need alcohol to produce level two energy. So, you know, you could, uh, and that level two energy is used in the uh, upper tier uh, mines and the uh, in the higher tier workshops, which produces the resources to be or the research to uh, start researching higher tier stuff. So you can see how the web kind of uh, branches out, huh? Yeah, I love that alcohol is level two energy. Yeah, and I think uh, you need fine uh, 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 food, uh, bread uh, to be able to get level three energy uh, along with uh, hard solder, you know? Right. Okay. Uh, I didn't get to do too much on level three stuff, though, because I have to say that is a bit uh, time uh, uh, time extensive on each level. So there is gameplay here. But you know, th- there's not a lot of reason to really go back, and that's the that's the r- real takeaway from this, especially like I said, for this expensive of a game. Right, not until there's a sandbox mode mm-hmm. or something a lot more extended, like uh, I don't know, some kind of challenge mode or something. Yeah, that might make give it you know be a little bit better too. Yeah, but not the as fact good that, as flat out sandbox. But. Yeah, the, but the fact that there's not even a challenge mode, and honestly, the campaign mode is just scenarios. Uh, but yeah. you have any questions on this since, you know, this is kind of your bread and butter uh, uh, genre? I don't think so. I mean, it looks interesting. You've described it fairly well. The fact that there's no sandbox mode is really frustrating. But, I mean, if they're saying that they're going to add one, I guess I'll wait and see how it goes. Pick it up on sale maybe next year for half price or more off. Yeah, I will say that if you're a fan of Factorio, this... Uh, and you want something a little bit more uh, towards uh, something like uh, Banished is probably not a good example because Banished uh, tends to lean more uh, more towards the survival slash sandbox depending on the actual map you get. Uh, yeah. Then this would uh, this is like a good in between of those two extremes in the kind of the management genre. I'm not sure just how well it does player versus AI. It's mostly revolving around different towers, so it turns into almost a tower defense. And uh, the and there's an entire segment of the research tree that I had no reason to even touch that was just dedicated to military because I was playing the sandbox uh, scenarios. But there's different cannons, there's different uh, archers, uh, that sort of thing. I'm not sure exactly how it all ties together, but like I said, it from uh, the screenshots and just the looking at the tech itself, it looks like it almost goes tower defense, tower defense ish, which is once again, kind of an oddity. Yeah. I will say that the art style is just adorable though. The low poly art style in general, especially the cows. Looking at the screenshots. No, no, look at the cows, especially the cows. Look at the cows on the screenshot with the train. Cows on the screenshot with the train. Where are you? It's like the... The one with the train in the snow? Uh, the train on the uh, grass. Okay. Um, it's about... Uh, it's the one. fourth one from the last. 
Oh, yeah. Those are cute cows. <laughs> there's some sheep in that picture. They're pretty cute. Yeah, it's just, it's an adorable title. It uh, oozes charm. If this was an early access title, I would say that it's off to a very good start, and all they need is to put out some uh, content for it. It has some uh, very strong systems. Uh, research is a little bit cumbersome because research depends on what you're actually researching for the actual cost of it. So sometimes it will take planks, sometimes it will take stone, sometimes it, you know, it will take uh, uh, just regular logs. But that's something that you could work around and build up a stock of while you're working on something else. So, yeah, that's not a terrible thing. It's not like Factorial where you have to build a dedicated yeah, factory for this one resource that is used only for research, and that's it. Or at least the last time I played Factorial, they may have changed that to be perfectly No, fair. it's worse. Uh, it's, There's more it's research worse? now than... Yeah, there used to only be four. Probably the last time you played, there were only four res- yeah. research... Or research resources. There's is it seven? There's red, green, blue, purple, gold. Is there chartreuse? White. Maybe it's just six. It's six or seven. I'm not sure if I want to play Factorio now. <laughs> they made it worse. <laughs> well, I played Dwarf Fortress, so Factorio's coming one day. Ah, fuck. Coming for ya. I mean, I. I enjoyed this, and I uh, did enjoy Factorio to a degree. It just it was one of those games I wasn't in the mood for. Gotcha. And this, uh, you know, it's just if they could handle the management, uh, the uh, road management a little bit better, and have the, um, you know, whatever frame rate hitching I had uh, uh, go away, then yeah, and also you know, obviously a lot more content, but. Honestly, since this is a full release, I'm not holding my breath on a lot of content. Yeah. There's stuff Agreed. there, but there would be no reason to ever replay it. And if you don't uh, like the player versus AI stuff, you know, that takes a good third of the game away from you. Yeah, I'd be happy to see a sandbox mode, but otherwise, not expecting too much, I guess. Alrighty. My turn? Yeah, you can go for one. Alrighty. Well, the first game on my list is Oregon Trail Director's Cut. Um, I played this on mobile, but I think you can get this game, like, anywhere. iPhone, Android, you played on PC. Is there a console version? I don't think so, but I wouldn't be surprised if there was. Um, If you've ever played Oregon Trail, which I would say most people listening to this show have, if you haven't, uh, go play it. It's one of those like classic games that. Uh, basically, you if have you to... haven't played it, get the fuck off my lawn. <laughs> but I mean, this game is that except zombie apocalypse instead of, you know, making your way across the country. Um, instead of a wagon, you've got a, a sedan. Or you start out with a sedan. You can upgrade your car to different cars and or get different cars and upgrade your car and stuff, but. Start out with a sedan, and instead of, like, a family of four, it's just, like, you and three other people uh, trying to survive the zombie apocalypse. Um, the only real problem I have with the game on mobile is it's difficult difficult to control the shooting aspect of the game, which is basically every mission. Because, um, you know, you travel from town to town, and you find people who have jobs for you, and it's like, I need resources, or 
I lost my puppy. Please go find it. And it, uh, every mission involves shooting either zombies or bandits. And uh, you have to basically drag around on the screen. But that's also how you move. And so sometimes the touchscreen like, gets confused like if you're trying to move or shoot. So sometimes you'll do one when you really want to do the other. And you'll wind up getting uh, not killed. You'll just fail the mission like zombies. Like if they touch you, it's like you were overrun and you had to flee and you take like some damage. Um, but you can be bitten by a zombie, and if you're bitten by a zombie, uh, there's a chance for the rest of the game you'll turn into a zombie, and then if you die for sure, you turn into a zombie. And there's no way to cure zombie, the zombie infection. But you can keep somebody going, um, and the game tells you, like, the healthier they are, the less chance they have to turn. So, in my current adventuring party, we have, uh, two people who have been bit by zombies, and I'm like, ah, you guys have all the med packs, because there's no way to recruit other people. So when your people are gone, they're gone. And, so dead uh, is undead? It, yes. <laughs> um, but it, it, it helps to have more people because there's certain sections like in Oregon Trail, you know, there's the where you have to ford the the river. Well, occasionally you'll have to ford uh, a horde or cross a horde. And honestly, the best, most successful way to do it is to just like drive through guns a-blazing, clear a path for your car. And the more people that are dead, obviously, the uh, less chance you have of that succeeding. So I've got I've got two people who've been bit by zombies. Uh, obviously, the more people you have, the faster you go through your food. But getting food is actually really easy. So far, I mean, I could have had it's it's a procedurally or a randomly generated run each time you go through. So the jobs will be different. The um, you know, the resources you find will be different. At the start, you get to sort of basically choose, like, how much stuff you want to take. And I, I, my first playthrough so far, I've been going for, like, three hours. Um, I just picked, like, a really balanced load at the beginning because I was like, I don't know what I'm getting into. So I took, like, equal everything except ammunition, and I took a lot of ammunition because, you know, zombie apocalypse. Um, and I've been doing all right. The goal is to be... throwers, I mean, to, right? Yeah, well, the game lets you choose between three weapons. Uh, you get a rifle, which is single shot, kills all zombies in one hit, but it takes just a little bit of time to aim and reload. So, if you miss, misses are costly. But no, it uses you need the a shotgun. Amount of ammunition. The shotgun's the other weapon. It fires three bullets at a time, or three of your like ammo count at a time, but it fires them in a spread pattern. Um, so I use a shotgun and then you can use a pistol, which fires like in bursts and you like sort of drag it across the screen and it's like, pew, 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 pew. And you can kill multiple zombies with it, but it always shoots four rounds and then you have to reload. So, I mean, there's really not much to say about it. The art style's nice, um, but it really is Oregon trail, but with zombies. So you have to like get food and you can trade for it or you can hunt it and you have to um you know keep maintenance up on your vehicle which it was the wagon in oregon trail but it's the car in this actually it's, it's a station wagon not a sedan that you get the first time station wagon um you have to keep people's health up they can get dysentery and other illnesses so i mean if you want oregon trail but zombies this is uh, the game for you well who doesn't right yeah, if you're gonna buy it on a mobile device, uh, a touchscreen thing, I would suggest getting it on like an iPad or something. Yeah, a tablet. 
um, so that you have a little bit more screen real estate. That might make the aiming and things easier. Yeah, I have to admit, uh, tablet is probably going to be um, towards the end of next year. Because, yeah, there, there are so many mobile titles that I've wanted to try, but it feels like I can't give a good shake because, yeah, uh, just not enough screen real estate. I, I have too fat of fingers. Yeah. I feel you, bro. Me too. Well, I'm glad you're so gentle if you're going to feed me. <laughs> oh. All right. What's your next game? Well, my other game was one that we were supposed to play together, but somebody's internet started having trouble again. And this time it yeah, wasn't it me. Yeah, was my turn. It's my turn to have internet issues this week. Yeah. Uh, so far, me, so good uh, Allow me to say uh, just a non-sequitur. Fuck Ajit Pa. Yeah, fuck that guy. Yeah, the uh, the FCC chairman with the most punchable face uh, in the history of the FCC, right? Yep. But hey, uh, anything ever. I don't know. That there is another branch of government that may beat him out. Fair. <laughs> uh, but Dreadnought. Well, I talked a bit about this last week, so I'm not sure how much more in-depth I could go on this, but uh, what the hell. Uh, Dreadnought is a, I guess technically it would be a third-person arcade shooter or arena shooter uh, with different modes depending on the uh, individual maps. But you play a Dreadnought, a giant ship. Or d- depending on the class you're going, because there's five different classes. There's the Covert, there's a, a, a t- artillery ship, which is essentially a sniper. A, a utility ship, which is essentially a medic. A destroyer, which is basically a mini dreadnought. And then the dreadnought, which think of it as essentially Battlestar, all right? Uh, I know, okay. I just sold you on this, didn't I? <laughs> but... <laughs> Uh, because somebody's been going back and playing, uh, or not playing, but watching uh, Battlestar Galactica. I have been. I watched the entire miniseries and the first four. Uh, unfortunately, there's no carriers. That, that, that's a little bit of a disappointment to me. You know, no carrier type that. Ha- uh, granted, there are some that have uh, auto fire batteries that uh, you know you get close enough and uh, the uh, essentially the secondaries start lighting up. But all the ships have four different abilities, and uh, they're swappable out depending on your equipment. Uh, the tech is a bit odd, where uh, it's, and I'm pretty sure I talked about this last week, it, or at least in some respect, where it's broken up by company, uh, sort of like how World of Warships is broken up by country. Only the other, uh, yeah. They're not exactly uh, like World of Warships where, you know, the destroyer of uh, German design is really good in this role while the destroyers in American uh, in the American line are good for this role and the ones in the British line are good for this role. No, they're, a s- no, they're not. All, of the, all, all the British destroyers suck ass. Continue. I, I respectfully disagree. <laughs> they, they make really good submarines. They do. <laughs> Submarines are in the game now. Oh, they are. I haven't actually yep. looked at World of Warships in ages. Yep, I've been meaning to go back and play it to try it, but I just haven't. I have to admit that I was a little tempted uh, going back to War Thunder and trying to figure out uh, the airplanes because, oh, damn, did that get frustrating for a while. Basically, I yep. go into a dogfight and I'm instant killed. Uh, but uh, that's a complete non sequitur. Uh, the, my, yep. my problem with uh, Dreadnought, uh, how it handles the ships, is that it doesn't feel like you're flying a spaceship. Granted, 
uh, the spaceships on most of the maps are sort of like Star Trek, uh, Starcraft Two uh, battle cruisers, where they're kind of just hovering above the uh, landscape and they're not flying through space, which is also a little weird. But they handle essentially like a character in a third-person game, only very sluggishly. They handle like a, essentially a, a shopping cart with a broken wheel. Yeah, you, you could kind of maneuver things, you could kind of wrestle it around, but at the end of the day, yo, you're only limited in a few directions. Yeah, there's only a few directions that you could really go with this thing. And that's what, especially the Dreadnought and the Destroyer feels like, where it's so sluggish that there's only so much that you could do, especially whenever you're fighting some of the smaller ships that are designed to try to pick you off. Uh, there's a very rock, paper, scissors aspect to the game where it's balanced around the Corsairs are able to dive in and put out a lot of damage and dive out. And all the ships have a, essentially an energy capacitor that can be allocated to different aspects of the ship. Uh, to three aspects, I should say. It could uh, They could either boost the uh, well, boost the boosters, uh, the uh, maneuver uh, maneuvering thrusters for a short time, put up a... Uh, an actual shield otherwise the ships don't even have shielding which which somebody yeah. forgot to turn off their phone I sent you that app for a reason just saying <laughs> indeed uh, uh, the ships could only have their shield up for a very short time and it's like a 90% damage reduction but since the game is built around having a medic in place yeah, that's probably not a, you know, a terrible thing and then you can also divert energy to weapons. And uh, as the ships goes up in tiers, the uh, energy capacitor gets slightly bigger each time. So you start running into a thing where if you're fighting up uh, against, uh, f- coming up against a ship that's a tier above you, you're going to be having a harder and harder time. And because how the matchmaking works, where it's broken up into three tiers, where one is one and two, the second is uh three and four and the f- and the third is four and five well there's no reason to ever have the ships l- fight against tier fives if they don't have to right right i mean it do- it does give you a little bit of extra uh, uh free experience which is burnable without uh, burning a lot of uh of the uh, in-game currency most of the in-game currency actually is revolved around uh cosmetics yeah making the ships look pretty which, Ooh, pretty. which maybe that's, uh, you know, why they're, they're kind of floundering. I mean, we talked last week where they uh, are losing money hand over fist. Uh, so many of the fights are, take place at several kilometers, and especially if you're up against a ship that has the, uh, uh, yeah, if you're up against a team that has the sniper, uh, a few good sniper hits will uh, just decimate your uh, uh, team. I mean, it's not enough for a one-hit kill, you know, something like a, a first-person shooter or a, third per, or a true third-person shooter. But uh, that's where you start having the problem with the matchmaking system because there's such a small pool. Uh, people that solo queue also get thrown in, it seems. I'm not 100% certain on this, but it seems that the people that solo queue comes up against uh, pre-made teams as well. And the teams are only 10 by 10. So they're pretty small teams. They're smaller maps. So you're starting to see the problem here. A well-coordinated team is just going to absolutely tear apart 
a team that is just made up of solo players or more solo players than the other one. Add to that the disparity between uh, the different tiers where each tier is a direct upgrade. It's not like World of Warships where, uh, you know, just because you're tearing up, that doesn't mean that the next ship is better or at least better right away, right? Yeah. In this, the only time I've seen a red number is maneuverability. And that's usually with the, either the destroyer or the dreadnought, where uh, they become slower, but they or, or I should say they turn slower. And they don't become slower. I don't think it's actually possible for the for the dreadnoughts to become slower without them going in reverse. But they gain a lot more health, and in some cases, a twenty five thirty percent more health between tiers. And that's before starting to add in uh, the tech tree, which the tech tree is pretty linear, actually. Uh, uh, usually uh, for each tier ship, there's uh, one or two choices for uh, the, the individual equipment, which also is the uh, individual abilities in some cases. So you may have the ability for the Dreadnought to do essentially a, sm a short range warp jump. Uh, to be able to jump into the middle of a fight or be able to escape. But uh, they may be able to trade that out for an ability that boosts damage for themselves or everyone around them. Or, or another company may have it where the destroyer is able to essentially reset all their cooldowns on all their other abilities. Or uh, they have an AoE that you know, does something else. You know, and it becomes a little bit more strategic there. But like I said, it's a linear path. There's not much choice outside of that. Everything else is kind of a, a boring. Uh, yeah, main uh, gun uh, gets slightly better. The uh, secondaries get better. Uh, the uh, missiles uh, uh, get an, a few extra missiles in it. You know, there's nothing really interesting in the abilities otherwise, which is a little bit of a disappointment. And the fact that, you know, they just announced that they're losing a good chunk of their uh, development staff is also a disappointment. Because I do think that there's a good uh, uh, core to the game here. But because they really didn't promote the fact that they were going on Steam. And the last time I heard about them, they were actually in closed beta. It's just uh, head-scratching to me that they haven't been, you know, putting out uh, the uh, marketing more. Granted, once again, we talked about, yeah, they're losing a lot of money, so maybe they just don't have the capital. I uh, don't think there's any real pay to win. There's a lot of ground to win, and it does have the whole thing where uh, they, well, they call it hero ships, but, you know, the pay for uh, ships. But those are mostly co-signed to the tier four and tier five stuff. So the entry level matchmaking still has a, you know, well, it's a good impression as you can make with, you know, random matchmaking, right? especially with a smaller group like this. Uh, going in, you're, you're given access to all five classes immediately. There's none this bullshit. You know, play a destroyer for a little bit and rank up, and uh, you, know, you get a cruiser, rank up a little bit more, and you'll uh, unlock a battleship, that sort of thing. No, you get five uh, all five classes immediately uh, added to your, uh, to your fleet. Uh, you die, you're able to warp in a new copy of that ship or change ships, which is something that, I like a lot more over World of Warships. I got to be perfectly honest. It, but it also encourages a lot more risky play. It encourages 
uh, the destroyer equivalents at, from one of the warships, you know, the Corsairs, to dive in on a, a, a group of enemies and try to knock out a couple uh, instead of having to play a lot safer and try to shoot from range or, you know, just lob uh, missiles, that sort of thing. Which, you know, f- uh, feels right for this, you know, especially since they have the ability to warp in ships and the uh, character select going in, you're in orbit around the planet and you're uh, warping in the ships for your armada to warp into battle. So the fact that they uh, kept with the theme there for the uh, respawn is actually really good. It does have the World Warship problem where everything feels like a toy ship just because you know, of the kind of exaggerated uh, dimensions. You know, the guns are a little bit too big. The dimensions feel a little bit off, but yeah, you know, that's maybe just yeah you know, perspective. You know. Yeah. Uh, trying to think of anything else. It really promotes team play, but there's not a good way to really talk in game. It doesn't have voice chat, as far as I can tell. Which maybe that's a good thing. Uh, it has a reload system for the primary weapons and it has a primary and secondary weapons on top of, uh, some, some ships have a secondary battery that is out of fire at a particular range, but primary weapons and secondary weapons are, are depend on, uh, well, for one, what ship you're running or in what company ship you're running and class you're running, but also what you have loaded out. Like, uh, one has a flat cannon that's very, short range but high damage while its primary weapon is a more long range uh, 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 slow shooting uh, not quite sniper but close to it Uh, the sniper uh, ship uh, is obviously a sniper rifle but then there's a some sort of laser if I recall correctly on its secondary Uh, the uh, medic has essentially the heal gun could hurt enemies as well or it could turn to a Tesla coil that is able to essentially uh, auto track enemies that within a very close range to it, uh, so I could uh, focus on getting the fuck away. Because yeah, it's obviously going to be the most squishy, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, but most of its abilities are tied around healing, uh, healing itself, healing allies around it, boosting its healing abilities, that sort of thing. Uh, I mean, there's a lot here that I really like. It's just the community is so small that the matchmaking is kind of thrown off, which makes it very frustrating. And it also adds to the fact that, you know, the uh, DLC, uh, all, it has the whole thing where it has the Steam DLCs where it has the different packs, but the packs are fucking expensive. I mean, the cheapest one is 20 bucks, and it's mostly cosmetics. I never understood why they do this, you know? Yeah. It's cosme- uh... cosmetics, a little bit of uh, currency. I mean, how 15,000 credits uh, in the low tier pack? 15,000 credits, that's two, three matches. But also, is a, a problem of uh, the rich gets richer very easily. It, it really rewards winning and doesn't reward losing all that much. Which I know uh, sounds a little bit, yeah, duh, but. To the degree where uh, the winners, uh, the winning team will get like three or four times the credits and uh, experience of the losing team. So it could also yeah. add to a little bit of the frustration of things. I will say that since the closed beta, they have improved a lot of the performance because I was hitting some frame rate hitching. 
uh, in the closed beta. Like I said, I played the closed beta a little bit. Uh, but they were having some frame rate hitching, but uh, that seems to be pretty much gone now. Uh, and uh, the game does get rather intensive at times. You know, 20 ships uh, shooting lasers, shooting uh, missiles, shooting uh, 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 healing beams, that sort of thing. It gets quite uh, chaotic. <laughs> so, yeah, there, there's a lot going on. But I never saw a frame rate problem, so they did fix that. Not a huge fan of some of the AI, uh, sorry, some of the UI choices. They've gone very console with it. There's a lot of screen real estate taken, but also a not a lot of info given, if that makes any sense. So it's like all flashy and mostly like yeah, useless. Yeah, and also it used to be where uh, the UI for uh, the uh, the energy capacitor. Uh, was very you know just uh, a very quick. Uh, it was still the it was still a radial menu, but you hold it down and you uh, you know, quick flick and you're done. This it seems like the UI wants to stick in the middle position, which deactivates the uh, uh, capacitor to allow it to start recharging. Uh, but that actually got me killed a couple times because I would have missiles incoming. I'd try to uh, flick to activate my shield. Uh, but it wouldn't do it uh, properly because it has that center position that's a little bit sticky. And it seems like uh, just before they launched on Steam, they completely redid the uh, UI. So I think that may be a little bit buggy still, or you know, they may have not tuned it quite correctly. And uh, I will say that the center UI is a little bit busy. It uh, could uh, sometimes be a little bit distracting, particularly just you know trying to figure out where people are. And uh, uh, there's info there that uh, isn't uh, exactly apparent, you know. It could be a little bit distracting on what your ammo count is, uh, where uh, you know just exactly how much health you have, even though it's shown in the middle of the screen, uh, because that's also where all the f- uh, flashy effects are and that sort of thing. But all the important stuff, you know, the round time and uh, actual overall points, depending on, once again, uh, the different maps is just tucked around away in the lower right hand corner, which, like I said, is just odd. And all the uh, ship abilities is at the very top of the screen, you know? Yeah. Just some strange UI choices. But I, I do have to say that the way that they did uh, area capture is, factu- is actually very interesting. Uh, area capture is essentially, you know, your traditional. Uh, King of the Hill map, all right, or uh, or control point map, I should say, where you control points and you gain points towards the overall goal. First team that hits the uh, milestone uh, thousand points, I think it is, or hundred, hundred or thousand, whatever, yeah, you know, uh, uh, wins. Well, what they did on this is that while the control points do give you a set number of points. It's also the area that your fleet is covering. Each ship generates essentially a field around it. And as long as its area is connected directly to a control point, it's generating points. So it's encouraging the uh, the team to spread out some, which I found just uh, fascinating. Uh, it's a really good solution to the turtling problem that uh, the control point maps have. Where if a team turtles up too much, 
they lose enough territory where even if both teams have one control point, uh, the team that's spread out enough to capture enough area of the map, or I should say hold control of enough of the area of the map, will win. Even though you know, both teams may have only held one control point at the time or for the entire match. It's a very interesting solution, huh? Yep. And there's also some sort of Dota uh, uh, map that I didn't really get a feel for. I only got to play it a couple times. Uh, trying to do an individual uh, queue, or I should say a, a dedicated uh, mode queue, was rather sluggish. So I ended up just going, uh, just uh, entering the all queue and ended up mostly in team battles, which, you know, is fine. Team battles is, you know, your typical, you know, you kill an enemy, you get so many points, you uh, get killed, uh, the enemy team gets points. Uh, but yeah, uh, overall, I do like the game. It's just they're going to have a severe problem with the matchmaking, and they're going to continue having the problem, particularly since they are talking about it being run by a skeleton crew. Which uh, team charts? How many people playing this right now? Uh, they're just over a thousand with a peak today of eighteen hundred. I mean, not terrible, but yeah. You know, they are going slowly down and down and down. I mean, that's not a good sign, is it? No, it's not. I mean, all-time peak was that's still only become... 3,600. Yeah, that's going to become unrecoverable soon if it's not already. Yeah, especially, like I said, with the news of uh, their uh, development uh, team being cut by a third, was it? Uh... Was it a third or was it two-thirds? I believe it was a third. If it's two-thirds, you know, the game's uh, yeah, fucked. It's in uh, maintenance mode already, even though they're not calling it that. But I'm pretty sure it was a third. Um, yeah. Alrighty. But yeah, My uh, that's turn to take over for a while. Yeah. Cool. So, the next game on my list is oh, called Scribblenauts. Well, well, I did want to say, I still want to play it with you at some point. If you want to get oh, yeah, dread and nodding. Yeah, we should play it before it dies. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the next game on my list is Scribblenauts Remix. Scribblenauts is a series that goes back uh, a decade or so, maybe? Originally starting out on the uh, DS. Uh, the Nintendo DS. Uh, and what it is, is it is a game where that... Uh, it's a puzzle game. And it just gives you a, a puzzle to solve. And you uh, are allowed to sort of create your own solution. So if it's like the puzzle is to get across the lake, you can go and you can say, I want a bridge. And you can get bridge pieces and you can build a bridge. Or you could say, I want a boat. And you can spawn a boat and you can go across. Uh, you could say, I want a jetpack. And you can get a jetpack. Or you can make teleporters or get a plane or like rocket shoes. There are lots and lots and lots of different things you can do to solve puzzles. Um, sometimes it can be a little obtuse. Like there's one puzzle where you're supposed to like put a crying baby to sleep. Um, and there is an item called a sleep potion. The sleep potion doesn't work, but you can give the baby a Alcohol? tranquilizer and that does work. Alcohol? So uh, I haven't tried alcohol to put the baby to sleep. I'll have to go try that. <laughs> um... This is, I think, sort of like a best hits version of some of their, like, favorite puzzles from the various games. And there's, like, 
you know, different uh, skins and things that you can use. It's got a, it's got quite a few levels. We've, I've played through maybe 30 puzzles so far. Um, and there's still several worlds that I can see and each world has got like between 10 and 15 puzzles. Um, honestly, most of them are fairly easy. Uh, and if I was going to be buying this for myself, just myself, I might've been a little bit disappointed, but I've been playing it almost exclusively with King because I'll yeah, just this tell him like, okay, game, here's right? what, yeah, I'll be like, here's what you need to do, or here's what we need to do. How do we solve it? And so I have him like, tell me what he wants to do to solve it. And we try different stuff. Some of the puzzles that are a little more difficult, like there's one where you have to make the dinosaurs go extinct, but it says you can't use any weapons, so you can't like Comment. use you can't use nuclear weapons to blow up the planet. But I was like, "How do we get rid of the dinosaurs, buddy?" And he's like, "We could kill them." And I'm like, "Well, yeah, but how?" He's like, "We could use guns." And I'm like, mm, "It says we can't use weapons. We could use tanks." I'm like, oh, "That's still a weapon." So he couldn't quite get it. So I I was like, "What if we used like." lava and he was like yeah so i spawned like a bunch of volcanoes and then they all erupted and killed the dinosaurs so i mean i mean it's cute and it's fun it's very simple um i don't know if it was always this way and i just like it's one of those sort of nostalgia things because i mean I, i remember playing this a lot in college and at downtime when i used to be like the shipping manager at one of the jobs i had in college there would be like huge amounts of time where that there was like nothing to do so I'd just sit around at my shipping station and like play scribble knots and listen to podcasts and stuff. So, you know, I don't I don't know if it's like one of those things where that the maybe it just played better on DS or they just picked a lot of the easier puzzles for the mobile format or if it really was just always this simple and you know, I'm just remembering having more fun with well, it. Well, what I poked around on uh, an emulator with it always seemed very simple, but then again, I never went too far into them because it just didn't uh capture my interest you know yeah and uh, this i mean there's been a ton of versions of this game across ds 3ds i think there might have been one on um on the wii uh there's a scribble knots i think you can get on steam oh there's several uh so. there's actually a, a dc version okay so yeah i mean there's um, I, I thought a it was bunch funny. Of different uh, ones of I always these. heard about uh, the DC version. You can't get Batman a gun. <laughs> That's funny. Um. So yeah, I mean, there's there's a bunch of different you know ones of these. So. Um, you know they're fun. You can also like summon like Cthulhu monsters and stuff like that. And sometimes the puzzles are a little more complex, but. You know, on those that are more complex, usually you have to set your, you know, your own difficulty because it's like, figure out how to do this thing. Well, I can just teleport. Problem solved. Uh, And the game lets you do that unless it specifically says you can't use this type of thing to finish the, the puzzle. But it's cute and it's fun. And if you've got kids or um have you know children that you interact with maybe like you know an uncle or cousin or a teacher sort of way like this would be a fun fun thing to do with them and that's definitely how i'm having the most fun with it because i just think it's hilarious some of the things my kid comes up with to try and solve puzzles but i mean sometimes they work and when they work he's always very proud of himself uh next on my list Dark Souls Remastered. Uh, I finally you succumbed uh, to it. up with Kyle. Yeah, I, I succumbed to it. 
Um, I mean, you know, it's Dark Souls, but remastered. So everything that I said about Dark Souls, whenever I talked about it several episodes ago, is the same, except now it natively runs at 60 FPS. Um, I don't know why it hated my controller when I first tried to play the remastered version, but all of the fixes for the original Dark Souls on PC didn't work. Um, so I had to like basically just keep trying different things. And then one day it was like, oh, oh, hey, this is an Xbox controller. Sure, I know what this is. I'm like, fuck you, Dark Souls. Huh, how about that? Uh, the hardest so that thing was... is to actually play it. Yeah, and that was the first big holdup. And then I just was like, eh, I don't want to play this, Kyle. I don't want to play this, Kyle. But finally it was like, he was like, do you want to play? And I'm like, yeah. I'll Let's play. get it out of the way. Going in tonight. Let's play it. And I mean, it was okay. It the fact that it runs at sixty helps a lot. Um, now, is it hard mode sixty where it was doubling all the uh, weapon durability hits? Uh, I don't. What, think wasn't that so. a thing for the original Dark Souls? Was uh, if you were running at sixty FPS, it would take uh, twice the durability damage to the weapons because uh, it was twice as many frames whenever something was t- uh, impacting something. I don't know. I didn't. Never heard of that being a thing, actually, so... I need to go double-check that. I hope not. Kyle hasn't said anything about it. But uh, anyways, yeah, I mean, it was it was better running at 60 FPS, and having played The Surge quite a bit, which oh, looks like it was, Surge is looks basically... Like, side- looks like it's uh, Dark Souls 2 that I was doing it, sorry. Gotcha. Uh, Kyle, The Surge is, is just sci-fi Dark Souls. You're wrong about it, everything. It's just upset that, got, okay that the wrong. guys aren't naked. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, but so playing the surge quite a bit got me a little bit more into the style of game. Um, so I was having a better time just in general than the first time I tried Dark Souls between those two things. And then playing with a co-op partner is, is nice. Um, you know, he, Kyle helped me out. He showed me where some stuff was and what to do with some things and wasn't, you know, wasn't all Kyle about it. (laughs) I love you. I love you, Kyle, but uh, sometimes, damn, he is Kyle's sometimes about whenever things. you play new games with me, you're a Kyle about things. So, um, you know, he helped me out, showed me around, made sure I didn't get killed. Uh, we beat the first boss. Uh, well, the, I guess technically it's the second boss, because the first boss uh, you beat during sort of like the tutorial section of the game. But the first boss you can you can take on co-op. We beat that. We did a few other things. I mean, we played for like 90 minutes the other night. And uh, I was going to play with him some on Sunday. Like, I was going to play with him in the middle of the day on Sunday. And then we were going to play Dreadnought Sunday night. And then my internet took a huge shit. and was out for part of the day. And then the other part of the day, it was really slow. So, I mean, it's it's Dark Souls. It's okay. It's Dark Souls um, yet I'm remastered? I'm, I'm definitely down to play some more with Kyle. I mean, it's not going to be like a game that we mainline. Uh, I'm not going to, like, constantly want to play it. But, uh, you know... Every other weekend, maybe for a couple hours, we'll get through Dark Souls eventually. He'll he'll drag me along through. Um, and I will say, Kyle, no, Kyle, I'm not playing Dark Souls in the middle of recording this. He uh, he sent me a message on Steam a little bit ago. It was like, "Hey, you gonna down to play some Dark Souls while you record the podcast?" And then it was like a pause before I responded because I didn't quite I notice it first. And he was like, "I'm of course kidding." I was like, "Are you?" But but are you though? Let's be honest. He's like, yes. No, he isn't. Unless you want... It says, yes. Pause. Unless you were game to swear randomly for no apparent reason. 
Fuck! Some good things. I mean, we do that anyways. Um, so yeah, Dark Souls Remasters. It's, it's Dark Souls Remastered. And, uh, it's okay. How about that? And it's a little bit better than okay with a co-op partner. Um, next game on my list. This will be another fast one. Elder Scrolls Oblivion. So I'm playing Oblivion again. Uh, but I've never actually played Oblivion on my actual gaming PC. I played it for like 1500 hours on Xbox 360 and probably another 100. Oblivion without mods, you poor thing. And then another, well, I, I didn't know any better. I was, I mean, I was a kid then. No, 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 no. Let's be honest. You're a peasant. I I was a, I was a kid peasant. Um, but yeah, so, and then I've played it for another 100 to 150 hours on my laptop with some mods. Uh, but I've never played it on my actual gaming rig with all of the settings by default maxed out, which the game actually looks pretty decent with no graphical mods when you've got everything maxed out. I mean, it clearly looks its age, but I've never actually seen it look that good without any mods before, if that makes sense. And what's new mods are you running? Um, but none yet. Yeah. Uh, my, my, my idea is to, you know, mod it till I break it. So I've played it for about four hours with everything maxed out. I've got a stable base build of patches, some gameplay changes, because, I mean, the leveling system in Oblivion sucks ass. Well, honestly, uh, the leveling system in all the Elder Scrolls games kind of suck ass. I like Skyrim the best just because it's the most fluid. It's just like, I'm just going to level up. Well, what's... Never mind. I'm not going to ask you this question. (laughs) We're just going to keep going. You don't want to get me started on it. I'm not going to take the bait. It's fine. So I'm using, you know, mods to, uh, you know, take care of all the bugs, um, deal with a lot of the issues in the game, like from a a gameplay perspective and uh, like inventory management and menu systems and like all that jazz. Uh, it's like 14 mods in total. Just I like still strongly suggest Midas Magic as uh, your primary magic one. If you're running a mage, of course. Uh, I'm actually not running a mage primarily this time, which is a very big break for me. I'm going to try and play like a sneaky character or a, a rogue. So I'll words, use uh, some magic. Pretty much the uh, meta how you play a <laughs> Scrolls game, you know, a sneaky archer. Yeah. I mean, I, well, I mean, typically I always gravitate towards like battle mage. That's just my my style. But here in the last couple of years, I've enjoyed being a lot stealthier in games in general. So I'm gonna give that a shot. Um, but anyways, yeah. So I've got like 14 mods installed as just like my base of fix the bugs, make changes to the gameplay to make it the way that I want, fix the menus, um, and then I'm gonna start adding in stuff. Just tons of stuff. We're going to player housing. We're going to go all kinds of like character model mods. We're going to do some graphic stuff. We're going to change up all the cities. There's several large mods to adjust the questing system and just all kinds of stuff. So I'm going to mod it till I break it and then try and pull it back and unbreak it and like sit right there on that precipice. But it's taken me about four hours of testing. I've done like some basic gameplay stuff like... Once I got it stable, I was like, eh, I'm going to play for like an hour. And so I just went and did some random shit for like an hour. And I was like, yeah, this is why I liked Oblivion so much. Well, l- Still well let's my just put it this way. Of the whole Midas, series. Ma- uh, Midas Magic. Uh, the Anturox, you know, the uh, elementals. Yeah. Uh, there's one that's made of melons. <laughs> there's one made of, okay. che- uh, of I'm in. pumpkins. I'm in. And then there's one made of cheese. 
You had me sold at melons. I'm in. Uh, I'm just looking at the spell list. I mean, some of them are pretty uh, uh, bog standard. You know, chain lightning, um, arcane burst, acid arrow. But then they start getting into the fun ones like a comet, um, force burst, which is just you know, essentially the telekinesis spell uh, cranked up to 11. Ice walk, uh, which allows you to just walk across water. Uh, Midas chest, which allows you to summon a uh, well, a chest. Nice. So yeah, so, I, yep. I, I love Midas magic. Uh, that was one of the first mods. Once uh, we uh, allowed modding for Skyrim, that I installed the Skyrim version of it. And and let's gotcha. put it this way: uh, there's a summonable mount that you could get. A white tiger. I like tigers. <laughs> Do you like riding them? Uh, yes. And there's also a magic carpet. So you can go on a magic carpet ride. <laughs> oh. Alrighty. Um, so yeah, that's Oblivion. And on to the last game <clears throat> that I played a little bit this week. I originally wasn't going to talk about it, but we were chatting beforehand. And I was like, yeah, I'll talk about it. Um, Red Dead Redemption 2. Uh, I don't own a PS4, and I didn't buy it for Xbox One, uh, but I do have a friend that owns a PS4, and I saw him this weekend. I was at his house, uh, doing some stuff, and we, uh, he was like, hey, check out Red Dead, and I'm like, oh, I've heard a lot of good things about this game. I'll, uh, I'd like to play it a little bit, watch you play a little bit. And I'm not, I don't have these opinions to be just contrary or to like seek attention no, or no, whatever. No, let's be perfectly honest. Uh, let's uh, lay our cards on the table here. You spent way, way, way too much time around me. I spent too much time playing PC games because this game <laughs> sucks. God, it's so bad. It's it's really bad. A lot of what I'm gonna say that's bad about it is purely subjective. Um. But objectively, this game is not as good as people think it is because, like, all of the stuff they've said about, look at how great it is and immersive and emergent content and all, like, all of these things with the physics, it's like, that existed, like, three years ago in this one PC game I played. Or all of these things existed two years ago in this game I played on PC. It's like all the stuff they talk about, like with the environment and like check out the lighting and how awesome. Well, what it is. about and the it's shrinking like horse truck. balls? I'll get to that shit. <laughs> Euro truck and American truck simulator have better weather effects than this game does. Better rain effects, better lighting, better bloom. All of that stuff is better in those PC games from years ago. I mean, I guess American truck is new, but uh, it's in the same what engine frame as Euro truck, right? Uh, it is locked to thirty. Uh. He's got a PS4 Pro, and it can't hold down 30. It can't hold down 30? Um, really? No. In, that, that, if, unless you put that's it... That's something I never understood, is why do they go to... Okay, if you want to do 30 for the cinematic experience, or, you know, to be able to crank up all the graphics, fine. But crank it up so much that it can't even maintain a 30? Is yeah. How the fuck so do the, people uh, put up with that? On PS4 Pro and Xbox One X, you can set it to a frame rate priority mode, which keeps it at 30 
most of the time. When you get into town, all bets are off. It's fucked. And I couldn't imagine playing this on X, the standard Xbox One or the standard PS4 because they can't even hold down 30 like when there's nothing going on. And you can't actually set the, the priority modes on the base consoles. You have to have the Pro or the Xbox One X in order to do that. Otherwise, it runs by default at like a lower everything to try and keep up and it just can't well look at it this way i, I looked into uh, you, this you don't have to uh turn on the heat this uh winter because you know that poor no. <laughs> that poor console is going to be bursting into flames yeah and and i looked into this because i was like that's not that's not 30 that's not even 30 because i can t- he's like what do you mean it's not thir- what do you mean 30 i'm like oh my dude <laughs> i gotta show you some what real games look like behold the glorious he's supposed PC to be coming Master over Race. He's supposed to be coming over in the next couple uh, of weeks. Find out which games he has PC. Uh, that he plays a lot uh, that you could also play on PC. Oh, I, I've already got one. Monster Hunter World. He plays oh, Monster no. <laughs> Hunter World on, on PS4. And it's it's like if you set it um, to graphical priority mode, it looks about as good as Monster Hunter World does on PC at between like low and medium settings. Oh, no. But it can't it can't even pull down thirty if you do that. So I'm between medium and high and I can hold a steady sixty, so Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna blow his fucking mind when he comes over here. I'll uh, I'll report on how that goes. Uh, is there any in others a, in a week uh, or two uh, that I should watch out for you playing? I don't know. I gotta I gotta look into that to see what other games he has that I might have. But Anyways, so yeah, uh, like everything that this game, like for a console, yeah, it's pretty good. It's all right. That's a good effort. Uh, you know, good on you, champ. It's probably the best looking console game I've seen on console. But well, that's typically where I've console play, games playing, are. I've been playing PC games for years that do everything that this game does better, or at least as good, but also in 60 plus FPS, so better. So all of that stuff, like, just throw it right out the window, all right? You got nothing to offer me on that front. Um, then we get into this game. And if you watched the the Jimquisition this week, Jim Sterling does a pretty good job explaining this, the difference between attention to detail and obsession with detail. Yeah, it's kind of uh, this uh, game, perfect timing for that, huh? Yeah, this game wastes so much of your time so much because everything has got between like a two and five second animation and there's no way to skip it there's no way to turn it off so you get into a gunfight and you kill 10 people the animation to loot their body is between like two and four seconds depending on what position they're laying in so then at the worst of it where it's closer to a four second thing say that they're like laying face down on top of something so it's not the ground you walk over to them you do the loot you know push the button to loot Arthur, the the character you play, reaches down, like grabs them, moves them off of the thing they're laying on, flips them over so they're laying on their back, like ruffles through their pockets and like puts stuff in his pockets and then lays them on the ground. So it's like four. So this seconds. is what uh, uh, Tim Sterling was talking about the game masturbating. Yeah, and then if they're just like laying on the ground on their back, you reach down, pick them up, go through their pockets, and lay them back down. It's like two seconds. So between two and four seconds, every time you want to loot somebody. And some of the bigger gunfights you can find yourself in, um, like we didn't get any any this big. There were maybe like five people, the mo- like the biggest gunfight we got in. But I like I've heard people talk about specifically like story missions where you wind up killing like 20 or 30 people. And if you want to loot their bodies for everything, 
I mean, like 20 people at best, two seconds. That's 40 seconds you're going to spend. Actually, more because you'd have to walk from person to person. That's 40 seconds so you're just between, looting. The looting animation. Just looting. Yeah, just the looting animation. And it's that for everything. So you're out in the woods and you're like, oh, look, some eggs. I can collect some eggs from whatever so I can have more food at my camp. You walk over to him and it's not just like push the button, quick, eggs in your inventory. No, he bends over, picks up every single egg, puts them in his pocket, and then walks away. It's like five seconds every time you want to collect something. You uh, kill some animals. You want to skin their bodies so that you can like take the pelts back and get you know the resources from that. Okay, how many well, uh, how many be... animals can you uh, skin in Far Cry compared to the single animation in Red Dead? Well, Far Cry is like what one or two seconds. Yeah, like it's that. like you get the knife and it's like quick, quick, and then it's done. Uh, in this, you go through a detailed, like the most detail I've ever seen in any video game, where you like actually skin the body and peel the skin back and collect whatever it is that you're going to collect, and then put that away. It's between like. For some of the animals that we hunted, um, like some alligator and some deer, it was like 10 seconds for this animation Sheesh. to do. That's for every single one you kill. Some of the smaller animals, like rabbits or turtles, um, you're looking at like five seconds that it does the animation. Um, for every one. And then on top of that, let's say that you want to bring the carcass back to get the food from it, not just like the one resource that that animal provides for crafting. You got to pick that up, walk very slowly over to your horse, put it on the back of your horse, and then that's it. You got to go back to camp, drop it off, and then come back to hunt again. Uh, And there's no fast travel back to your camp. In fact, the whole fast travel system in this game is broken and stupid. Uh, so the way that it works is that there are stagecoaches and trains, uh, that run between the different towns in the game, and you can only travel from those. So you can only go from one stagecoach in a town to another stagecoach. You can't go to, from a stagecoach to a train station. No, sir, you can't do that. You have to go from stagecoach to stagecoach. There's an upgrade you can get that lets you fast travel from your camp to a town, but you cannot fast travel to your camp. Period. So there's no upgrade that uh, unlocks the transfer ability. Nope. <laughs> nope. None of that. You gotta, gotta it, it, ride it your horse. It sounds like a Wild West simulator. You gotta, gotta ride your horse wherever you want to go, or at least the fast travel points that let you travel between the towns that they can actually fast travel to. I mean, I, I mean, uh, I, if and, it was building itself as a simulator, this would be awesome, but it's not, is it? Let's no, it's not. Let's talk about your horse. Let me just Uh-oh. keep complaining here. Let's talk about your horse. Uh, All right. Here comes the horse. So this balls. is, uh, no, we're not there yet. So you're on your horse. You're you're riding around. Uh, you just got this cool outfit. Maybe you bought it or you found it on one of the, you know, six hours you just spent looting that group of people you killed. <laughs> it's like you want to change your outfit. You're riding your horse. Nope, can't do it. Got to stop. Can't change your outfit or your equipment while you're riding on your horse. Um, you can be sitting still on your horse. Uh, and technically, you can be moving forward if you like accidentally nudge the stick right before you hit the pause button. It'll let you get away with that. It's so generous. But if you're moving it more than just like a very, very slow walk, you can't change any of your equipment. Well, that's not true. You can change your guns. Otherwise, you can't change any of your equipment on your horse. So you have to stop. Then you go to change your clothes. 
And, I mean, there's not an animation for changing your clothes, so I guess that's a good thing. It's very generous to not wasting our time in that respect. But, uh, yeah, you can't be moving on your horse. Change your equipment. Also, if you want to call your horse to you, I mean, if you've seen anything, you know about this. But how most games handle that, like summoning a horse or vehicle to you, is it, like, spawn sort of behind you or maybe off to the side where you can't see it, and then it, like, pulls up to you, right? Mm-hmm. No, not in this game. The horse is, like, a character. And when you get out of range of the horse, your the horse can't, like, hear you whistle, and so it can't come to you. So you have to find your way closer to your horse to be able to summon your horse to you. And not only does it not spawn... But it navigates to you in real time. And the pathing for the horse when it's on its own is stupid. Like, genuinely, it's bad. And it will crash into things and fall over stuff. I've seen some of the gifts of uh, it running in uh, cinematic mode and just plowing through people. Yep. I'm imagining it's the same pathing AI there. Yep. It's bad. So, if you're like in a swamp or a forest and you're hunting. And you want to call your horse over to you so you don't have to walk, you know, 600 yards with very slow. Because there's no running. If you pick up a carcass, there's no running. You have to walk. So you want to call your horse over you so that you don't have to walk back to it with the carcass of the animal you just uh, hunted. You'll be waiting a while because it's going to crash into every tree and bush. And it might get eaten or attacked by an, an, an animal on the way or a person. Your horse can die. Your horse has permadeath. If your horse dies, you have to get a new horse. And uh, your horses, like, grow and level with you. Like, you have to pet them and feed them. Make sure they're clean. Make sure their balls are clean. Make sure they get rest. (laughs) Make sure their balls are clean. And if you don't do that, your horse has lower stamina and it doesn't like you. And so it might not listen if you whistle for it. And it might try and buck you off if you're, like, in combat because it doesn't like you. So you have to take care of your horse. Fuck that horse. But you have to take care of it. Like, don't actually fuck the horse. Like, fuck it in anger. Oh, no. If you're in that sort of thing. I guess you could hate fuck the horse if you wanted to. (laughs) And the same thing goes for your character. You have to eat. You have to drink. You have to sleep. Is there pooping? Otherwise, you... No. Oh, they... uh, If there is, I uh, didn't... They backed out of the full realism? Oh. If there is, I didn't see pooping. But, yeah, you have to do all of those things. Otherwise, you also suffer penalties. Because what's a Wild West town without a a pile of horseshit in the middle of the street, right? Uh, I didn't see the horse shit either. The horse probably shits, and I just didn't see it. Like, I mean, if they if they fuck. animated the balls, they have to animate the shit, right? Yeah, fuck that horse. I didn't keep it around enough to actually look for it shitting. Uh, so that's that. Then there's the emergent gameplay stuff. Which, emergent gameplay, when done well, is great. Because it adds a nice little flair here and there, where it's like, oh, that's unexpected. That's cool. That makes it feel like I'm living in a, you know, or playing in something that's a more realistic world. Yeah, but, yeah like but, we're going to be talking about it in a little bit. But they took that concept and they they, they, like, they turned the frequency dial to 11. So it's like you're constantly running into these events, like running into people, you know, having an argument or a disagreement on the road. And you can, like, you know, avoid it or you can jump in and participate. Um constantly like you'll find someone like being chased by a bear like you're trying to hunt very slowly carefully trying to hunt which i don't have a problem with the hunting mechanic it's pretty slow but i get why it's I mean, slow hunting, and it's, it's actually kind of slow. and it's one of those zen things too where you're like you're hunting and you're looking for like the right prey and you got to 
you know, try and minimize the damage done to the meat and all that stuff. So it's like you're hunting, you've been tracking this animal, you're about ready to take the kill shot, and then you hear like, and and like some guy comes running and a bear's chasing him, and it's like, fuck, there goes the deer I was just hunting. Yeah, but it's it's an internet meme moment. If it just happened once, or very rarely, that would be okay, but it happens a lot. A lot. There were lots of times we were interrupted by stuff like that. Like some guy running, being chased by something, or a gunfight like spawning in the distance and coming towards us. It just gets annoying. and Or like going into, I was watching my friend play. He's like, oh, I got to rest. I'm too far away from camp to make it back. So I'm going to go to this saloon and we're going to... Why don't they just pull into the gas station? We're going to eat, drink, and we're going to rest. He goes inside and emergent gameplay... And it's like, hey, I recognize you, and a bar fight breaks out. And he gets killed because he was suffering from some penalties because he was hungry and hadn't rested. And he was like, ah, not this again. Again? I'm like, this happens all the time. He's like, yeah, it's like every other time. I Like, a, a, someone recognizes me, and a fight breaks out. And sometimes I get out okay, and sometimes I get killed. And I got killed because I had the penalties from not resting. I mean, the game just wastes your time. And there's so much stupid, use, like, pointless shit in the game. Like horse balls. You can't really... I looked. <laughs> I really looked. And I was like, I can't tell any difference in the horse balls. Do like, you think they just want people maybe, to stare at the horse balls? Maybe. I don't know. But I was like, why does this matter? And there are, there are so many little things in there that the game is like, oh, check it out. Check out this cool thing. Check out all this stuff. Come over here and look at this thing. And it's like, but the gameplay's over here. The the fun stuff is over here. Why are you wasting my time with this? That's the whole game. The whole game. The only thing that might redeem it, that I just didn't play it enough to really do any of the story stuff, but supposedly the writing on this game and the story content is amazing. Yeah, but the problem That's is like actually getting to the story stuff. On. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, don't have a feeling just... that we're having a preview of what you're going to think about the Game Club game. The game just wastes so much time, and it's all so pointless. Like, I just I just felt like it was wasting my time. And there probably... I mean, there was a time in my life when I would have been okay with it, but I'm not anymore. My time is much more limited than it used to be, and it makes me mad if you don't respect my time. Like, if they had all of that stuff, and you could, like, customize it. Like, you could, you know, there was a slider on it. Like, how much do you want the emergent gameplay to happen? How, like, yeah, but, uh, do you occasionally want to choice? see the loot thing? I know. But it's like, if it was like, do you only occasionally want to see the whole loot animation? And most of the time, it's just like, you push the button, and, like, you get the stuff in your inventory, like, every other game ever. <laughs> I mean, even the original Red Dead didn't have these problems. It didn't have any of these problems. You could fast travel from anywhere because you could, like, you had to make a camp. And, like, you're out in, the, out in the wilderness, you make a camp, you can fast travel to anywhere. Um, the the skinning animation was, like, a second. It was, like, animal skinned. And it, it didn't even do it every time. And then the looting animation, it just was, like, you push the button, stuff's in your inventory. And then, obviously, they didn't have shrinking horse balls or whatever. 
just like it, the game wastes your time and there's nothing special if you come from a background of, of PC gaming where you've seen stuff better than this. I would say the only place that it... Uh, For years. The only thing that it really has on PC gaming is the fact that there's not many Wild West games. Uh, just period. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, Red Dead Redemption 2. Waste your time. Sucks. Story's probably pretty good. <laughs> would not recommend. So yeah, that's it for all the games we played this yeah, week. Hour and a half. <laughs> yep. Um, let's take a quick break. I need to refill my water. Um, and then I'll be go good to go. Go scratch your horse balls. Oh, yeah, uh, I mean, you got to get that loyalty up, right? Absolutely. So yeah, I will be right back and then we'll move on to Game Club. All right. Back from break And time. a lot of freaking content. And some soup. Let's move on to discussing the Game Club game for October. In case this is your first Game Club you've ever been to, Rage and I have very different tastes about games, and even when we do enjoy playing the same game, we very rarely play it at the same time. Game Club is a way for us to play the same game at the same time and sit down and discuss our thoughts about it. This month's Game Club was Dwarf Fortress. Um... A very mismatched game. Uh, I had never played it before. I was only aware of it. And you had played it uh, some? A bunch? A, a fair amount, but it was also before. years ago. And Dwarf Fortress is one of those games that's been in continuous development for a decade now. And it's still technically in an alpha state, so it's not even close to its final form. So, yeah, uh, I went into it with some knowledge, enough to be dangerous, uh, in that... I went into it with no and knowledge. They changed a lot of stuff in it, uh, particularly with uh, how uh, dwarves' moods are handled and uh, how stress is handled by various uh, well characters in the game. Oh. So, so Dwarf Fortress, in case you don't know, is a game. There's, so there's technically like three games in there, and Dwarf Fortress is like. I guess the biggest uh, the, one, the, or the main most popular mode. one. Uh, I would say the most po- uh, popular is a toss-up between adventure mode and dwarf fortress. It uh, really depends on the person playing. Usually on the dwarf fortress subreddit, it's the fortress mode. But uh, for the general population, I would say adventure mode, just because it's uh, like the granddaddy of all sandbox roguelites. Gotcha. Well, the dwarf fortress is, I guess. The easiest way to explain it is that it's sort of like a 4X game, but way, 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 way more in-depth. Um, I would just say uh, the Fortress Mode is the granddaddy of all the colony management games. Because uh, RimWorld uh, banished... Uh, i trying to think of a couple of others. Uh, a lot of them cite inspiration coming from Dwarf Fortress. And Dwarf Fortress is basically uh, pretty much any of your co- uh, your colony management or town management games turned up to 11. And some points, some ludicrous amounts of detail, and others, uh, a detail that makes a lot more sense. And you talked about, it's kind of funny that Jim Quisition talks about ludicrous detail, but in Dwarf Fortress, there's some that makes a lot more sense. Well, I will say, comparing these two things together um dwarf fortress goes into a lot of detail but that's the point of the game like you know going in 
what it is. Whereas Red Dead promises you like a cowboy action-adventure game and instead tries to shove you with all of this pointless, time-wasting stuff. Um, also, it, there's the difference in then, like the appearance, like actual depth versus, you know, the appearance of it. Like, there's a big difference in doing a four-second loot animation every single time you want to loot a body versus having to sort of drill down through the menus to decide what you want to do, you know, either placing a building or giving your dwarves jobs or or whatever like you know there's there's a big difference in those two things there so yes dwarf fortress is very intense very time intensive but that's the point of the game so i don't feel like it's wasting my time like i i expect this amount of detail and i don't know faffing about as part of the game whereas with red dead I did not want any of that faffing about. I just wanted a cool, fun cowboy action adventure game. And instead, you tried to give me like a, a broken. Hey, simulator. I didn't try to give you a broken simulator. Well, you as in like the royal you. Ah. But so I mean, yeah, I, I mean, you a that's a big simulator there. because this is still an alpha. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, back when we did Kerbal Space Program, we talked about games that. Otherwise, we would hate that we love anyway. Kerbal is one for both of us, and Dwarf Fortress is also one for me. Objectively, this game has everything that I both love and hate. It is overly complex. It's uh, clunky. It's not very pretty. Uh, You require a lot of secondary tools to be able to do pretty much anything. You require a wiki. This is a wiki game. But because a little bit of nostalgia, a little bit of there hasn't been another uh, colony management uh, game like this, even approaching this detail, RimWorld starts to approach it a little bit, but still not even close to it. Uh, This gets a pass for me for a lot of otherwise damning things in it. Uh, we uh, we talked yeah. about that before, and I blanked on another game like that. But yeah, really thinking about it during our game club, that kind of clicked for me. You know, that this is another Kerbal situation. Yeah, this game, just sort of very general overall. It's got a lot of potential for me because I like games like this. I like games that are very in depth. I like to get out in the weeds in a simulator or a management type game. Um, And I was enjoying my time with it for a while. But the more I played it, the more it made me want to go play EVE Online. (laughs) And I've talked about EVE in the past, about how that it's the only thing I've ever struggled being, you know, with with an addiction to. Like, I had a hard time putting it down. Well, and why was it when you, something that's why was it uh, trying to force you to go back to Eve, or you know, why did it get that itch? With how detailed everything is, um, Eve does it in different in a different way, but Eve Online is the game where that you could do anything. I mean, some of the stories I've talked about on Eve before, like building up, um, you know, the the Eve's equivalent of like a clan or a guild, building those up. Going on missions, yeah, building corporations, going on those, stripping resources from an area, manipulating the economy, something happens, 
Like those that one time that I basically like that I like stole everything from the corporation I was in because like the man the leadership changed and I'd put a bunch of resources in and I was like, Oh fuck this, I gotta get it out before, you know, they lock me out of all my own resources. But you just and, took like, everything you know, instead. So on and <laughs> Yeah. And and there's a whole planet management system in Eve where that you can mine resources on planets and do stuff with those and the new base well they're not new anymore but the base mechanics where you could build your own space stations and just like on and on and on and on like how detailed you could get and how you could wreck systems economies by coming in and dumping things or hiking up the price on stuff or wiping out all the missions in an area and it's like that level of detail different from dwarf you know yeah, from dwarf, dwarf fortress, fortress is a but, lot more personal where all the dwarves, you see all their personal ambitions, a very, very detailed idea of what they actually look like. Which, considering this game looks like it's uh, escaped from the 1980s, <laughs> you know? Or maybe died. Yeah, the whole or, game is ASCII. Well, well, I did put a tile set on, so I bumped it up to the early 90s. I really liked the ASCII text, actually. Um, I looked at some of the 3D stuff you could get, the plugins that made it look like a little mm-hmm. more 3D. Yeah, I don't run those. But uh, I just, they're... I really like the ASCII text. I just kept it. Yeah, it makes you feel like you're in the Matrix, uh, huh? But it, sort of, yeah. But anyways, like, that's what it was doing for me. Like, it was making me like, oh, yeah, I used to get these sorts of feelings <laughs> when I was playing EVE Online. And so I was like, either this is going to make me go play EVE Online, or I might wind up in the same situation I was with EVE, except this game is free, you know? Well, and and I have access to it for forever. There's no subscription fee, um, no restrictions. Because even if you play Eve Online as a free to play player, like it locks you out of, I don't know, ninety percent of the content of the game. Oh no, this is sounding so, like a you know, a, uh, you know, like you were really enjoying it, but you were trying to hold yourself back. I did. I in general, I enjoyed my time with it. There were some things that were frustrating, and I'm sure there's a lot of stuff I missed because I, I, you know. There's only so much time I could play. Yeah, I didn't get to. Yeah, I, I didn't get to, to do as much as I wanted to because I was having connection issues, and uh, I didn't want to try to put a lot of time into it while I couldn't go double check the wiki very easily. Yes, I could have done it on my phone, but this is a game that a geological uh, uh, textbook can be considered a manual for how the world is structured because it actually follows proper geological <laughs> formations. Uh, all the ores are the proper ores. So there's like three or four different types of iron ore. And they're found in the proper sediment layers or the proper rock uh, types. Uh, you'll find uh, you know, proper alloys depending on where you are. So being able to not be able to go back, I could double check that. <laughs> uh, felt like it was just going to be wasting my time. And I did it actually end up wasting my time uh, a little bit because I was going off old knowledge of how to set up my fort. And whenever you originally uh, start off the game, you create a world. Uh, And depending on your settings, it could actually take several hours to generate the world history. And all the characters in the game are pulled from the pool that is generated. So if you go into Legends mode or go into... Uh, most uh, better I should say uh, do a file dump of the legends mode and then go into one of the third party tools where you can start looking through the family lines and all the uh, histories of the different areas you can find out 
the entire family history up to the point of world generation because it does do a starting seed essentially of okay well this is the world state and this is uh, all the land masses and everything and this is the initial population well from that point on up to where you're currently playing you could look at the entire family history you could look at migrations you could look at wars you could look at uh, uh sieges you could uh, look at different battles different uh mega beasts which are just these absolutely massive creatures going around and stopping and uh, massive killing and it's just absolutely fascinating dwarf fortress in itself first and foremost is a story generator and i do have a story later on about one of my inhabitants which i'll talk about later when we get into our actual gameplay <laughs> of, yeah like i did well i took the baseline history and i filled it out to a very short story but yeah it's a story generator first and foremost which is pretty much right up your alley for what you talked about enjoying stories and as the yeah. game uh, produces it goes through its development phases it's getting more and more like then either the next update or the update after it is introducing its full magic system into the game like right now it's kind of low fantasy you know yes there's dwarves there's elves but there's no you know high fantasy magic guess what there's going to be magic coming up Ooh, uh, right now, the closest thing to magic is uh, like dragons able to breathe fire and that sort of thing. But no, you're going to get wizards and uh, mages and uh, summoners and all that uh, jazz as well. Right now, uh, it's very... Uh, saying Dwarf Fortress is very basic is you know, a huge understatement, but you know, uh, your uh, military is limited to uh, real-world medieval uh, warfare. Crossbows, bows... Uh, sword, shield, that sort of thing. But yeah, it's going to go into full fantasy mode eventually. It's just, it's not there yet because Dwarf Fortress is stupid complex. <laughs> to the fact that it's a, it, we talk about resource or uh, production chains. For some of the high-end stuff in Dwarf Fortress, it's a web. Uh, especially stuff like running a hospital. It requires uh, production of soap. Uh, to be able to clean wounds, it talks. Uh, uh, you have to have your dwarves trained up in the medical field, which some of them come in with medical training. It also requires uh, now dwarves of the proper temperament, because some dwarves you know hate caring for one another's, or uh, don't feel uh, you know feel bothered by having to help others. So it'll build up their stress level, which could cause them to actually snap. <laughs> That's what I was talking about before. Uh, you know. Uh, earlier today that uh, my fortress it was in a good state now but it uh, it felt very brittle where one very bad event could cause a, a cascade a, a, well a a um, uh, just a tantrum cascade a, a tantrum spiral I should say where one dwarf gets kicked off and uh, that uh, sets off another dwarf another dwarf and it becomes just a set of dominoes and the entire fortress goes into chaos. Because I wasn't building around the new stress mechanic. Where a, a dwarf that uh, likes uh, working around people will uh, be a lot happier than uh, you know, a loner that's forced to be in a workshop with a lot of people. And having a lot of interactions with others. That sort of thing. 
And the fact that that's a thing now instead of the old system where it was just a very set number where, okay, the dwarves have booze, the dwarves have adequate bed space, they're happy enough. Now it actually takes the dwarven, the different dwarves' personality into it. And I just find that utterly fascinating. Yeah, I didn't uh, get too much into that stuff. <laughs> I was still at the struggle the struggle stage. I played for about an hour. Well, I mean, there was the world mm-hmm. generation. I only wound up generating one world, and then I just, like, every time I started a new, or in, in, did a new em- embarkment, yeah, embark. embarkation in that world. Um, so I spent a while starting the world, and then uh, I spent maybe 90 minutes I was like, I'm just gonna like go with this for a little bit and see what I can figure out. I don't expect to like have an aha genius moment and figure the whole thing out, but I just want to see like how obtuse is it really? How well could I do on my own for a little bit? And I messed around with it for a little while and I figured out how to do like some basic things, but then I was like, okay, I if I'd probably keep pecking away at this if I didn't actually have to get some actual real playtime in for game club. So I went and I looked up a couple of basic starter guides and followed those and did a few, you know, did the things that they said to do. But I think I could get a basic understanding of the game in 10 or 12 hours, be able to, or or could have gotten the basic understanding within 10 or 12 hours figured out you know how to do like some basic settlement stuff and you know maybe it would have opened up to me a little bit more later or watched like maybe one basic tutorial and then figured it out from there because that's a lot of a lot of the fun for games yeah. like this to me is to just like i mean it you know there is fun in failure and i well, like well, the, well the unofficial like, uh, motto for dwarf fortress is losing is fun yeah and and the game is you know if you like that sort of thing then there's certainly there but I did have to, you know, get on with it for, for Game Club. But, I mean, I, you know, I spent like 90 minutes just like messing around with it, trying to learn a few things on my own. Like, oh, this does that. And this does this. And here's how you get to there and figure out this thing. And so that was that was really well, fun. Dwarf Fortress is also one of those games that no matter how much you played it, uh, especially going based off the subreddit, there's always something to learn. There's always some you know, quirk of the game uh, to, that catches you by surprise. And then there's uh, people that do, well, what the community uh, calls dwarfy things. As in uh, just going absolutely insane. Like, um, probably my favorite one is the Super Soldier Project. And you okay. want me to elaborate on this. Okay, Please well, do. at least in older versions of it. I'm not sure if it's in the current version. Scars in the game uh, did a couple things. One, they were tougher than uh, natural skin. And two, they uh, were more resistant to pain. And that is what actually causes dwarves to fall over. And, you know, uh, uh, it's not... Dwarf Fortress isn't built around a set health point system. It's It's built around a sort of like the system in RimWorld where... All the body parts technically have a health pool, but it's more a dice roll behind the scenes uh, than what RimWorld actually has. Where uh, if uh, a goblin uh, uh, swings a mace at you, uh, it does a dice roll for your armor, 
It does a dice roll for each individual layer of clothing. It does a dice roll for uh, the skin, for the fat, for the muscle. And then if it gets past all that, organ damage. All right. So people figured out that scar tissue had a very high modifier. And kids in Dwarf Fortress are kind of useless for because the Dwarven lifespan is like 150 years, uh, give or take, 120, 150, something in that range. And kids uh, don't become a full citizen until they're like 20, which is a hell of a long time for a fortress. So people are trying to figure out what to do with children. And boy, this is sounding dark already, huh? Yep. So, Carry on, though. Born the Super Soldier Project, where people were trying to figure out how to toughen up kids uh, to make them essentially walking scars. And also, Dwarven Psychology, at least in the older versions, uh, after a while of experiencing a certain uh, simula, they'll become numb to it. So being uh, numb to pain or numb to blood made uh, soldiers a lot stronger. So the idea of the Super Soldier Project, I believe uh, the actual term for it was Dwarven Daycare for the uh, for the uh, thread on the uh, official forums. Well, that sounds so <laughs> nice. Dwarven Daycare. Well, considering uh, female dwarves, uh, people don't like having them in the military, not because of physical strength or anything, but they'll become pregnant and they'll have uh, babies in the middle of battle. And uh, no, 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 it gets better. It gets better. <laughs> okay. And then carries them around and occasionally uses them as shields. <laughs> oh, God. That's amazing. See why I love this game? <laughs> yeah, I, di- I didn't get that far. I didn't get close. <laughs> but, I mean, this is a good example of something yeah, that I missed. I got uh, about uh, two years in the game so far uh, in my fortress. But, anyway, back to the Super Soldier Project. Well, people were trying to figure out what to do with these kids. And uh, someone uh, started the uh, the Super Soldier Project, where they would lock a kid in a bedroom, all right? Uh, and uh, create what uh, is termed a quantum stockpile in there, where essentially uh, th- how the game handles uh, items is uh, there's a certain stack size. But if you drop an item into a shaft and it falls down a Z level, which the game is multiple Z levels, in some cases, many hundreds of them. And a Z level is, think of it as just a topographical map and each section of it is a Z level, for lack of a better a better way to explain it. Think of it as like, on, like a layers of, a, well, let's not go onion, let's go just layers of a cake. Yep, make it less ogre well, people figured out that if you dropped items from one Z level to another, it, they would uh, constantly stack upon one another. So people were trying to do uh, something like 20 years worth of food and drink because it wouldn't spoil. Lock a kid in a bedroom with a goose sitting on a nest box full of fertile eggs. And the idea of this project was the... Goose's eggs would hatch, and because the goose is locked in this small bedroom, uh, the uh, I'm pretty sure it was a goose at least. It, it was either goose or dogs. I believe both were tried. Uh, 
because of a, a mechanic where animals enclosed in too small a space will eventually start uh, biting and snapping at one another, it would uh, constantly be snapping and biting at the dwarven child, which would create scar tissue on the child and also make them more numb to pain. <laughs> And people were trying to figure out how to uh, make this mechanic uh, it, uh, turn people into super soldiers. <laughs> wow. The the therapy part of me is going, oh my fucking god. But the gamer part of me is like, yes, min-maxing at its best. Fuck those dwarven children. Well, if you're into that sort of thing. Uh- <laughs> Uh, did I just suddenly make uh, several of your lists? <laughs> I feel all confused inside, man. Well, there's also uh, uh, Toady One, the main developer of the game. And by main, I should say one of two. Uh, he uh, actually had to n- uh, nerf one item because he was rather disturbed about people uh, creating farms where they were uh air drowning mermaids because mermaids have to breathe underwater well they would create these giant Mm -hmm. flood planes and there's actual proper fluid dynamics in the game (laughs) and whenever they would open it up the water would flow in suck in the uh, uh, suck through the mermaids it would go into this giant plane they would close the floodgate and the water would evaporate and the mermaids would just drown because they would be out of water and he was so disturbed with so many people doing that that he actually had to go in and patch the price of mermaid bones. <laughs> okay. So he did that, but he didn't change something so that he that the children wouldn't be attacked by <laughs> geese. Geese for twenty years. Oh, <laughs> uh, and then there's the entire tale of boat murdered, which is just this very long and protracted uh, story of a uh, progression uh, for it where it's sort of like how we did with the Kerbal Space Station, where one person adds yeah. on. It was, uh, I think, a year, and uh, the stay file would be moved to the next person in the uh, list. Uh, but people wouldn't uh, label anything, <laughs> so people wouldn't have any idea what the hell is going on. And just the craziness that ensues. Well, like I said, Dwarf Fortress is a story generator, first and foremost. And this is emergent gameplay right. uh, to the good end of things, it seems. Is this the good end? Done well. <laughs> yeah. Because Dwarf Fortress yeah. doesn't really have a story overall. It's a world generator. And then you make your own stories, or the stories happen uh, dynamically, uh, naturally, throughout the uh, gameplay. So uh, your story is you trying to survive, you sending your military out on raids to try to recover an artifact that was stolen. Or try to recover a you know, a dwarf that was uh, kidnapped in the last goblin raid that broke through your wall. Uh, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, then you have the nobility system that uh, throws a wrench into things where actually my fortress uh, has two barons in it. And they're making competing demands trying to outdo one another. <laughs> and uh, the demands also uh, reflect upon their personality. Like one has a thing for uh, weapon racks. So he's constantly wanting me to make more and more weapon racks for him. And the other one wants to have uh, metal pants made. <laughs> uh, yeah, Greaves. Nice. Uh, and he Go and, and he got upset beca- uh, with me because I didn't have my uh, metal industry uh, to the point where I could uh, make just 
fanciful things. I had to. I was trying to get enough uh, weapons and uh, ammo and uh, armor ahead so I could start up the military. Granted, I never got around to actually starting up the military because that is a lot of uh, manpower sink and a lot of uh, uh, production sink. But I was pretty much on my way to it. And that's also yeah you know, how you protect yourself from raids, how you protect yourself from uh, night beasts, how you protect yourself from mega beasts, and all sorts of fun things. So, <clears throat> is there anything you want to maybe ask me about? Because uh, well, I mean, uh, well, well, for, I pretty well, much just said my is, piece uh, did about. Did you use any of the third party tools that is in, uh, included in the starter pack? Um, no. Oh, uh, I would I uh, strongly suggest trying again at some point in the future. Not right away, because I'm sure you don't. And uh, look, research some of the tools, especially in Dwarf Hack, and use Dwarf Therapist. Because the in-game uh, management tools aren't that great yet. Uh, Dwarf Hack allows you to set up proper quotas, like RimWorld has. So your dwarves aren't either having to be constantly reminded, okay, go make food or go make drink. Uh, you could set up a proper quota so the job will start and start uh, uh, you know, within a certain range. Uh, you could set up where the dwarves will uh, retain a certain amount of seeds before the uh, food uh, is uh, used anywhere. Uh, if food is used in the, uh, uh, in the kitchens, some foods do not produce their seeds and uh, farms require seeds. And that may have screwed you over. Okay. Uh, a dwarf me. therapist is a graphical representation of uh, your uh, fortress in a spreadsheet, which allows you to see your current uh, dwarves' uh, uh, well skills. It allows you to assign and unassign, uh, and unassign uh, different jobs. It allows you to see your uh, uh, the roles that they can feel fulfill uh, a lot easier because uh, all the dwarves they're assigned a, a numeric value on all their attributes even if they're not shown up in their thoughts and traits. And certain dwarves are more useful in certain areas. Like, for example, your military, especially melee classes, you know, your sword dwarves, your uh, mace dwarves, that sort of thing, will want to have a lot higher strength, a lot higher durability, possibly less uh, susceptible to infections and that sort of thing. So whenever they get injured, they won't get as sick because, you know, infections are a thing. And it'll allow you to pick out yeah you know, the ones that you need or yeah you know, that are best for particular roles that require certain skills a lot easier. I'm not saying that yeah you know, the uh, base game is terrible. Uh, okay, I am saying the base game is terrible in that respect. <laughs> <laughs> I just I have this thing where I like to play games for the first time for a while mm. with no mods, no nothing, just to get a feel for how it's you know air quotes supposed to be. That way, I know what the changes do and how they affect my my yeah, gameplay more. I would say uh, dwarf therapist is pretty much a necessity. Dwarf hack and some of the uh, tools it, it uh, instills. It, it's a lot of quality of life stuff, uh, particularly the quotas, particularly seed watch. Um, I'm trying to think of. Uh, there's also a few uh, uh, quality of life things that it enables. It allows. Uh, elves to have proper diplomats because that's bugged in the base game it's just uh, you know, the patch the last patch before they started working on the next version uh, it, it broke the diplomats so 
that actually makes it harder because the diplomats will come in and uh, uh, give you a tree quota because elves are tree-humping hippies. If you cut down too many trees, you may incite a war with the elves. And no, I'm not joking. The elves will go to war for the rights of plants. Yay, trees. And what's kind of neat about trees in the game is that they're across multiple Z levels. And when I originally started playing, they were just you know, one little item. But uh, if you set up your defenses improperly uh, and a tree is overhanging your wall, uh, which you can build walls, by the way, you can build a wall and you can make the goblins pay for it. With their blood. Actually, the, there's a term called goblinite. Uh, it's basically all the uh, low-quality iron stuff that the that, that goblins drop when you kill them. And uh, people melt that down and sell it. <laughs> <clears throat> On, oh, and actually, uh, something else that may have uh, tripped you all uh, up, uh, if you got around to the trading aspect, is different uh, merchants have uh, different sized items. So, for example, whenever the elves would show up, if you bought armor from them, unless you uh, had an inn uh, going and uh, uh, had a mercenary come in and join your fortress, uh, that was an elf or maybe a, a small human, you wouldn't be able to use that armor because it was fit for an elf. I mean, I know it's kind of an obvious thing, but uh, this game makes use of it. Uh, same with uh, weapon damage. Uh, some of the best uh, weapons in the game uh, for uh, it depends on what materials are made out of and what type of weapon it is. For example, uh, well, a silver uh, mace, because silver, gold, and lead are heavy metals, uh, they'll do a lot of damage compared to an iron mace. But a silver sword is pretty shitty. A golden sword is absolutely shitty because it's too soft of a metal. And there's a couple fantasy uh, items or fantasy metals that are you know, very, you know, very tough to get uh, that's essentially like styrofoam. So for a blunt weapon, uh, yeah, it's basically like a Nerf uh, uh, bat. But if you make a bladed weapon out of it, you know, it's like a Ginsu knife. <laughs> nice. I'd like a Gensu knife. Uh, so, you know, uh, just materials uh, in general is also a factor in different weapons and different armors. And, you know, just little details like that. And the fact that, you know, every embarkment, uh, because it can cross multiple biomes, uh, can be vastly different, uh, has vastly different uh, resources to work with. And that's not even including all the emergent stuff. Like, uh, well, your migrant waves, like I said before, are pulled from the world population. And you could get some rather unsavory characters. Like, when I was wrapping up and I was doing my notes on my fortress, I found I had a vampire running around and I didn't know about it. <laughs> yeah, you were messaging me about that yeah, today. Yeah, and it turns out, uh, if you have a vampire in your fortress... Like vampires do, they'll drain people of blood. But you won't get a notice of that unless the dwarves find the body. And depending on how you set up your fortress, that could take a while because if you set up a lot of private rooms without you know, a thoroughfare, people may not smell out the corpse right away. 
So, yeah, I had a body hiding in the bottom of my fortress that I didn't even know about because I had a bunch of private rooms. And my plan was to eventually put windows in them so, you know, whenever somebody would walk by, they'd be able to glance in. And if there was a body in there, you know, a, a, a vampire, you know, that would be my defense. But a vampire showed up a lot sooner than I intended. And there's werebeasts. It's not just werewolves. It's where any animal you could think of and some that you wouldn't think of. And I believe different animals also impart different uh, traits. And there's also the little quirk that a uh, werebeast is what they called. Uh, actually doesn't need food or uh, drink at all because of the cycle. It will actually uh, heal all the damage done by starvation. Uh, but yeah, I got off track and just started chattering away again. And I was supposed to be asking you more questions. Uh, 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 what was uh, something that you absolutely hated about the game? Or was there something outside of just the utter complexity of it in the menu system? So far, I hadn't really found anything that I hated about the game. Um, placing things was a little frustrating at first because you can, like, for example, things like roads or fields mm-hmm. or whatever. I thought initially you had to place each tile oh, no. one at a time. <laughs> and But you can drag them. And, you know, I get the game not having uh, well, tutorials, well, but tooltips well, would be like, nice. Well, things like the farm plots, uh, you could actually resize them. Yeah. So they're plopped down as one item instead of, uh, yeah, a bunch of small ones. Yeah. Yeah, which I, I did figure that out. Um, but, you know, that tooltips would have been handy. Well, supposedly the UI That's... is supposed to be changed later in the development, but the uh, Toady one basically said that there's no use of redoing the entire UI right now. Uh, out of its placeholder state because he has so many uh, systems still to place that would just break everything anyway. So it'd be a wasted development time, which I get. Yeah, that was really the most annoying thing. I I was fighting the UI more than than anything else. Yeah, but it's also one of those things. Um, once you maybe... get it used to it, you know, it becomes almost uh uh you know, uh second nature. Like when I drop a carpenter shop B W. Uh, C, uh, build menu, workshop uh, submenu, carpenter's uh, hotkey. Yeah, like it made sense, but learning it was frustrating without any tooltips or anything. But I mean, that was again not not getting into like some of the super deep later mm-hmm. systems. You know, there might be stuff that I do really hate about the game or that makes. Yeah, me I would mad say my least favorite is to. the military system because it's a bit obtuse. It's a, a very tough system to set up you have to set up your uh, schedules for training you have to set up off time you have to set up the uh, full uniform all the weapons all the ammo if they're using crossbows and that sort of thing and it could be a bit much to set up initially uh, and you didn't get near that far did you no not even close uh, trying to think of anything else uh uh, uh, what was something that you liked about the game, or what was your some of your favorite things? Um, some of my favorite things about the game. Well, number one, I was really surprised at how charming the ASCII art style was. Like, I mean, it's not mm-hmm. detailed; it's real rough. But something about it was just like, I don't know. They're doing all of this stuff with this, but you could still like generally figure it out. Like, okay, these are. This is a river, this is a lake, the ocean, mountains, 
drill down a little bit farther, like, okay, this is a forest, that's the beach. Um, I really liked that and found, like, sort of the less is more mentality mm-hmm. when done right. Um, I think really paid off for the game because uh, it allowed you to focus a lot more on all of the systems within the game. Um, I enjoyed how much detail there was, even without using any of the plugins or anything, I guess to maybe make it easier or pull up some of the stuff that's hidden by the game, but how much detail there is about each of the dwarves and each of the things that you could do with them um, and sort of, you know, set them up, I guess, because, you know, you don't really, I don't know if you said this before, you don't actually control any of them, per yeah, the se. the only time you have direct you control sort of assign is when the military is being uh, directly commanded. Yeah, but otherwise you just sort of set up roles for them, and you, you know, based on their personality and things, and give them jobs and etc. But that system is still very deep, and there's a lot of detail you can find out about them without having to to go too far out of your way, and it, I mean, it sounds like there's more in the mm. background, but I like that. Um, I love how much detail there is in the world, just in the world generation itself. All the stuff about the different creatures and the different sort of... It doesn't refer to it this way, or maybe it does, but and I just like missed it, but like the, the sort of ages well, of the world. Well, there are ages uh, uh, that the world runs through, uh, as in uh, fantasy-style okay. uh, ages. And look, right. Uh, let me give you a list, and I need to just search it up real quick. Uh, age, I believe that should be it. I uh, know that's the wrong thing. Uh, the calendar. Okay, that should be it. Like uh, the known ages, uh, the uh, the age of myth, the uh, the number of living powers and mega beasts are at least two thirds of what the world began with. The age of legends, the uh, the number of living powers and mega beasts are at least one third of what they had uh, at the beginning. The age of heroes, the number of living powers and mega beasts are greater than zero. The age of the three powers. Exactly three powers are alive in the world. If the world starts with three powers and manages to progress beyond that, it'll become the age of myth. And that sort of thing. And there's a long list of these. It could uh, uh, yeah. progress all the way to the age of death. All civilized, uh, civilized creatures are dead. And the world has passed through at least one age of twilight. Age of fairy tales. Age of uh, race. Golden age or age of civilization. The age of death was a time after civilization had crumbled completely. Which you could start a fortress there, but you'd be getting very limited stuff. It's basically, you know, the last bastion of dwarves. Uh, Fascinating, huh? (laughs) Yeah. I just, I like that. That helps to add to what, you know, you were talking about, like building your own stories Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Like, I just love all that world detail. Yeah, I mean, uh, going into the, uh, the legend viewer... Uh, you do have to export the uh, Legends files properly, and Dwarf Hack makes it a lot easier. But be able to look at, like, your migrants and see, you know, uh, in my case, I was right at year 400. Uh, at the end, I think I was at, like, 396, th- uh, 395, 396, right there at the new year. Uh, so most of my uh, migrants would have five or six uh, different generations that you go back and usually they would have parents and great grandparents still alive. 
and seeing what they did and see uh, the uh, what they fought in, uh, see how they migrated, uh, what stats they had. It's a it's essentially a living world, or as close to it as a game I've ever encountered has gotten to. You know, I mean, yeah. there's the simulated uh, uh, worlds that we've encountered before, but never something like this for me. And that's what, yeah, th- these are these are the little details that's kind of sold this game to me over the years. Uh, but how long did you play? Uh, yeah. Uh, 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 fortress wise uh how many seasons did you get because i think the base game uh does auto save every season or were you running into any particular issues how far did i well okay so let's let's talk real hours i played or let's start there and work my way down i played about 25 to 30 mm-hmm. hours of the game um i went through 5 Fortresses, I guess six if you count that first one. Oh, where I was just like, one other to learn on right, my side own. note is: Were you embarking carefully, uh, setting up things, or were you just taking the base, you know, whatever the game threw at you? Um, the first few times I did it, I just took like the basic default whatever, and I was trying to find something that I thought would be good without like looking in the guides or stuff. And then I started looking up help. And my last one, I took uh, a custom. Uh, crew or a custom settlement instead mm-hmm. of just hitting like the default um, and really spent some time searching the world for a good place. Yeah, that's the other thing. Um, is, and that one's uh, the one finding, that a, finding a good lasted, place to embark because I lasted the, the longest. I played that last fort for maybe like eight to ten hours. That's a pretty good amount of time uh, for a beginner. Boy, that, that sounds like a dick move I'm, or a dick uh, way to say it. No, I, I get... Oh, I'm, I am not doing well. Uh, things are about to, you know, there's maybe one more hour unless some miracle happens before. Oh, what's going on? Every everything falls apart. Uh I have both food sort shortages and am having to deal with some aggressive creatures. Oh, you went to an area that has aggressive creatures. Yeah. Uh, so... do you remember on World Gen uh or the uh, embark uh, what it said your nearby uh environments like untamed wilds uh aggressive or is it just the luck of the draw and you are having a lot of aggressive creatures nearby uh i honestly i don't remember i would have to go look uh, were you settling um, on water i don't remember well uh, did Do you what? have a water source yes uh, um i was between an ocean and were a you lake. fishing yes i was fishing i was fishing and farming um did- but I only had one fisher dwarf, and he came with my, like, starting party. I never got another fisher dwarf. Uh, well, you probably should have just had someone of crappy uh, skill at least, yeah, you know, start working up the skill. Yeah, mistakes were made. Did you at least have a fishery so they were, oh, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, butchering the fish? Okay, just yeah, make sure did. on that one. Yep, yep, I did that. Yeah, I would say... But, it, like, everything was fine at first. I was like, oh, this is nice, peaceful. Like, I got some good resources around me. There's wood over there and got some some ore over there for early, you know, getting into that. Got some good plots of land for growing uh, Were farms. you running out of seeds or uh, was fish. it uh, something else? Uh, no, yeah, I was running out uh, of seeds. I, I know what happened then. Uh, cooking. 
What do you mean? What you were talking about yeah. earlier, how I was using yeah, that. Uh, oh, you were using plump helmets, right? I was plump sorry, helmets, say that again. Uh, essentially giant mushrooms. Yeah. All right. Whatever they're yep, used yep. in cooking, the plump helmet spawn aren't harvested. But if they're used in brewing, they are harvested. So you could use them in brewing to essentially build up your stockpile of seeds because each one gives like two or three seeds. Build up enough for a big field and then use them in cooking for, well, food. But uh, you should also be using fish. You should be hunting uh, once you get your smithing industry up so you could actually build up a amount of uh, crossbow bolts or the the first few... uh, uh, kills you get, you make bone bolts out of a bone carver. If you have someone with that skill, I don't think I have anybody that's a bone carver. I'd have to look. I mean, Maybe I, somebody has I, it, and I just well. Didn't well, the thing it, is, uh, that's another one of those things that uh, the crossbow bolts uh, they can be used if they're low quality. But if you have somebody that likes working with bone, they'll get a good uh, uh, stress boost out of it because they enjoy working with bone. And yeah, that's one of those things where. Uh, the game is a little bit counterintuitive just because someone has good skill in something doesn't mean that you may want to put them in it because if you put someone in that hates you know, working with jewels but they have good skill as a jeweler well they're going to be building up stress constantly and you're either going to have to offset that with other things or you're going to have a ticking time bomb but that's more mid to late game things because it takes a while to build up that amount of stress. Layers upon layers, huh? <laughs> yeah. So, but this this fort's fucked too. So I I might I don't. Is this a game that you think you would ever see yourself coming back to? I don't know. It's tough. It, it, it's it's tough. not a it's do... not a casual game, is it? It's not one that you can just kind of veg out. It requires your full attention pretty much constantly. Yeah. At some point, I might. I'd like to. But one, I gotta get... Let's sort of that some of... That, uh... That Eve <laughs> feeling recede. That... Let that recede. You don't need this to make you... Make sure I have some time. not be your new Eve. Because, uh, because there's yeah, no... I need to set some yeah, time aside to, monetary, to do it. Well, I... You know, this is costing me a lot to play right now. Because, you know, it's a... It's a donation-based game. It's a donation-fueled uh, game. Yeah. So I'm not going to write it off, but for the short term, no, I won't be playing it again, but maybe like within the next year or so. And at that point, apparently, it'll be like starting over Yeah, again. every time they do a major update, there's at least a few systems that get put into place. Like, for example, uh, well, I didn't even get to touch the minecart system <laughs> this time around. Uh, there's a full-blown, both, uh, you know, just shoving minecarts around uh, in the mines and that sort of thing, right? and uh, hauling uh, various goods with that. But then there's also powered minecarts, where you could put down a water wheel and have the fluid dynamics of the game turn the water wheel, and it generates mechanical energy that could fling uh, uh, <laughs> minecarts around. <laughs> And people have actually weaponized that. <laughs> Hard to believe, right? With this game. They've actually created what they call the Dwarven Shotgun. Where they'll have a long corridor. 
and load up a cart full of weapons <laughs> and have it essentially derail and it flings all the weapons down the corridor. <laughs> I love That's this nice. game. <laughs> Just the crazy shit that you can come up with. So, yeah. I don't really know if I have anything else to say. I mean, I guess you could ask me more questions, but I'm looking yeah, at the time. We, uh, we ended up talking about to... this quite a lot longer than I anticipated. <laughs> uh, but I did so, want to tell you the history um, of the vampire that came into my fortress because I went in and I uh, I looked up her history to give you a short story about her. So, okay. Her, her, let's, let's wrap so up with that. So her history starts around the year 150. All right. Now, remember, my fortress is at uh, right around 300. So okay. uh, this was uh, about you know 150 years ago. There was a group of human outcasts. The Council of Counselors. Yes, a little redundant in their name. <laughs> but uh, around that time, they took on one of their most infamous members, a young dwarf by the name of Kadri Inkstern Doctrine. All right, but... Uh, dwarven names are tongue twisters, so I'm just going to call her Kadri from now on. Not much is known about okay. her history. She was an outcast herself, and she spent a lot of her time on the edges of society, leaving much of her past lost. What is known is that she was a master mason and a highly talented engraver and a keen observer of nature, and she was able to capture the beauty of the world forever in stone. But that wasn't enough to keep her out of trouble. She had a temper and a tendency to solve most of her problems with a mace instead of her mind, which led her being cast from her home. And for many years, she was adrift till she happened upon the council. There she found a place that she could truly belong and she settled down for a time. And while her skills were stone weren't exactly useful for her new family, her sharp mind and combat abilities led her to quickly rise through the ranks becoming the ringleader of the council in the late 160s. But it wasn't the last. Being a practical dwarf, she had little use for human places of worship, and near the tavern that the council called home was a sanctuary of dusts, a temple devoted to Dodo Deepwisp, a human deity of dreams and night. One evening, Kadri left her tavern, and for reasons known only to her, was likely drunk. She profaned the temple in the town of Healer Bunny. It makes a lot more sense than its Elvis name, but Healer Bunny. This angered the goddess, and one doesn't anger a goddess of the night and come away lightly. She cursed Kadri with vampirism, damning her forever to stalk the night, and her bloodlust became a bit more literal. For a time, she was able to hide her true nature, but a small town tends to notice bodies when they're drained of blood. The people knew that they had a vampire on their hands, but who was it? Despite all her charms and her keen mind, it just took one slip up for the web of deceit to fall away, and it happened, finally. One murder too many, and the people nearby start to grow suspicious of Kadri's true nature. And after many years, she was forced to flee, leaving behind her first real family. She became a drifter again, mingling with the living only to feed and then disappear once again uh, into the untamed wilds, and this cycle lasted for about a hundred years. 
until she happened upon a group of dwarven migrants making their way to a new mountain home. Over the years, Kadri had become somewhat lonesome, remembering her time with her group of outlaws. She wanted to feel like she belonged once again, able to flatter the group's leader. Impress her with her masonry skills, she was able to join them on their way to Target Helm. But in the back of her mind, she knew it wasn't going to last. She was getting thirsty. And that's the story of my vampire that showed up. <laughs> that's nice. That's pe- that. I need to, I feel I should wait, 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 let me. There you go, you get snap claps. <laughs> I thought you would enjoy me actually pulling together her history. That's pulled together from about 20 or 30 different events in uh, both her history and the history of the Council of Counselors that she joined. And that group is actually still active in my world <laughs> as well. They're on another continent, so at some point she hopped a boat to a different continent uh, in her uh, fleeing from a uh, society. But uh, nice. I talked about the you know, the history of mechanical dwarf fortress before, but I didn't, wasn't prepared for it. This time I was. <laughs> nice, yeah, I I approve. So yeah, that's the the note to end on. That's what you can do with this odd looking little game <laughs> that has way more depth about rocks than any other mining game I've ever yeah, seen. Yeah, Dwarf Fortress is like the premier geology simulator. And here I thought you would have been, uh, you know, getting your rocks off, you know, since mining is such a key part of your personality. I can do other things, you know. Well, uh, dwarves do like their socks as well. That that is actually a thing. (laughs) Indeed. So, speaking of other games, doing things, I don't know, (laughs) fuck it. Our next Game Club game for November is going to be Divinity Dragon Commander. Yeah, um, from Um, one game about dwarves to a game about dragons and dwarves. Yep. I picked this up last, either during the last winter sale. I'm pretty sure I got it during the winter sale. So, I think we both got it at the same time. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, it's set. It's uh, made by the same studio that did Divinity: Original Sin One and Two. Not not that we have any uh, experience with Divinity, right? Yeah, not that we have any experience (laughs) with that. But uh, this is more of like a strategy game as opposed to just a straight up. RPG, right? Uh, it's, I've heard a lot um, of people compare it to uh, a, a strategy game mixed with a visual novel. Yeah, I can handle that. I mean, a lot of the screenshots look like RTS battles, and then there's like some stuff uh, like talking and uh, making dialogue tree choices and things like that. So, uh, looking looking forward to this. Um, I mean, we both inv- enjoyed Divinity Original Sin. Took us way too long to get through it. Honestly, but... I think we were about on the par for how long it took to get through it. Yeah. But uh, it was a nice world, and look forward to diving back into it. Um, so given how long we've been recording, and the fact that my throat is raw, and going to need to get to bed soon, um, unless we have like something for Community Corner, uh, actually I actually forgot to like check to the mail, so can you do that uh, real quick? Uh, there I wasn't anything on the real tweets. Quick. Uh, outside of you tweeting that comic, <laughs> yeah, you uh, you saw that. Yeah, but no loot boxes, so uh, will not bang. Right. All right, come on, come on, Gmail. What are you doing? Open up. 
Uh, no, except someone named Sarah saying I can monetize my podcast with Again? Dynamo. Boy, yeah. They... Uh, that was from October 29th. Boy, they really won us, huh? So it's from, yeah, so it's from a few yesterday. days ago, or no, yesterday. Yeah, that, that was, yeah, no, they, was from October they, yeah, they contacted us a couple weeks ago. <laughs> they really want us to monetize, I guess. Well, if well, you were to, uh, it... you know, give us something outside of monetizing our <laughs> podcast, you could email us, vglpodcast at gmail.com, or you could tweet us, vglpodcast, on the Twitter. Sorry, needed to get that in before you moved on. That is fine. And speaking of moving on, we'll go to the part of the podcast. Yeah, I'm a little shocked that first. your throat is already yeah, uh, giving out. A, are you getting sick on me? I hope was, not. It felt like I was talking I a just, lot more. Yeah, my throat's just real sore. I mean, I do talk a lot every day for what I do. Oh, um, what, really? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, anyways, um, yeah, you want to head over on over to my YouTube channel. Just search for Gaming Psychologist on YouTube. Um for some reason you ever need to check out the podcast episodes there you can find them you can also see my uploads of our let's play series whatever we're working on at the time which at this time is still spin tires uh and then if i ever post anything else random or fun you can find it there if you want to follow me on twitter where i'm the most active uh out you know in public you can do so by following me at jma4707 I posted uh, a few tweets today alone. One about somebody smoking weed at my clinic. Oh, see, I didn't see that one. I uh, need to go couple, back and uh, check now. A couple of funny comics and pictures, replying to some people about some stuff. You know, the huge over on Twitter. And then if you want to be my friend on Steam, you can send me a friend request at jarthur or to jarthur4707. I accept all friend requests. Uh, and talk to people on there quite frequently as well. And if you wish to let them know exactly what episode of the podcast you're coming from, the password for this week is Armok. Armok. The, the god of nice. uh, Dwarf Fortress. Uh, the, the god of chaos, actually. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, perfect for the ga- that game, right? Indeed. Uh, actually, I think, it, I think it's one perfect. of the few that's not randomly generated. Unless they change that in the last couple of versions. Oh, so, for me, uh, YouTube channel is still only on two of its three series. I need to get uh, crack a lacking on that. I've been sitting on the <laughs> third series for ages. I just haven't recorded it. And actually, I need to re- uh, manually release uh, my latest RimWorld episode because either that uh, scheduled improperly or uh, or I said it improperly most likely the latter because uh, YouTube scheduler sucks and of uh, course our uh, spin tires <laughs> yeah I, I was behind, I'm actually technically behind an episode on that but I think I'm just going to stay there to give us a little bit more breathing room because I uploaded the wrong episode, and by the time I uploaded the right one and got it rendered, it was already close to the next time I need to release an episode. So, yeah. Uh, I basically That's skipped okay. over the damn accident, accidentally. <laughs> and when I was looking at my numbering, I was trying to figure out, where am I going wrong here? This doesn't make sense. And then I figured it out. Yeah, and the damn was yeah. a single episode, so you could uh, could have missed yeah, that. Yeah, that's why I, why I missed it because it was just labeled damn and it wasn't a part, so so I missed a damn part. Missed you missed it. You missed it, damn it. 
Uh, but yeah, those are going on. I've pretty much put the Sunday sampler on hold because I'm still waiting on accreditation on Keymailer, and it seems like it's going to be a while. So I've just been streaming, uh, you know, r- somewhat randomly, I'm trying to do it at least once a week over on the Twitter. But first of all, you know, my YouTube is uh, Gaming with Caffeine Rage. The the Twitch, not Twitter. I'm not streaming on Twitter. I'm streaming on Twitch. Why do those two have to be so close in uh, name, right? Uh, yeah, just to, it's just to trip you up. Uh, yeah, damn them. Uh, my uh, Twitch is uh, caffeine underscore rage, where I've been streaming occasionally. I actually streamed most of my gameplay of the colonists. Actually, I up until it actually hung up on me, but I think that's partly my unity thing, and also, like I said, it. It seemed like it wasn't enjoying uh, OBS after the uh, last patch it did. They seemed to... uh, It seemed like they fixed something on the level that I was actually playing on, so it may have they broke something else, and it's very possible. But, yeah. Uh, The game crashing is actually my least problem with it. (laughs) Oh. But, yeah, I'm going to be trying to stream at least once a week over... On, on caffeine underscore rage, but since I don't have a sketch, set schedule, you can find me over at Gaming with CR on Twitter, and I usually give an hour to an, a half hour uh, warning to when I'm going to be streaming. I, and that's what I've been doing over there. That and my random comments. I think my last one was uh, me talking about my cha- uh, my chat pad because I've added a few buttons to my gamepad. <laughs> Woohoo! Go chat pads! Yeah. They're yeah, it's great. actually coming quite handy. I uh, need to rebound a few things in Eurotruck for it because it doesn't have uh, F1 through F12 because it's a PlayStation thing. Uh, but, yeah, it's, uh, actually it doesn't uh, throw off the weight of the controller as much as I feared it would. It's actually very light. It's just, uh, it feels odd because uh, I'm used to, you know, wrapping my hands around the handles of the DualShock controller. But now it's sort of uh, closer to the... Original Xbox controller in shape because it's filling in that gap, you know. I, I should yep. say it overall shape, not controls, obviously. But you can see where I'm going with that, right? Yeah, and it uh, just feels odd. <laughs> but yeah, I've enjoyed it so far. Uh, only a quirk of it that I don't like, and this is uh, just a pure. I don't know why it does this, but. If I have the controller connected, then I turn on the chat pad. It'll actually disconnect the controller, and I have to turn it back on. I think it's I think it's sending power into the controller itself because the way the DualShock controller is set up is that it can actually accept power through the headset port or the auxiliary port, and I think it's just sending a small pulse of power and it's uh, resending the controller. Because it's not seeing uh, the controller's not connected to a PlayStation uh, console. It's just a weird quirk, but uh, it's just turn the controller back on, or just turn on the, uh, the chat pad then the controller, if I'm going to use both. But yeah, small quirk. But all things considered, I think it's uh, was well worth my purchase. Uh, but yeah, that was it. Um, random tweets. Uh, it's also a link dump, uh, and speaking of link dumps, uh, we're at the very end of the episode, so once again, you could uh, send us your links, vglpodcast at gmail.com, with letters, voicemails, gaming-related topics, or tweet them to us, vglpodcast. 
Our podcast is supported by our lovely, lovely patrons. You can find out more uh, over at patreon.com slash VGL podcast, which has paid for our Podbean account. VGLpodcast.podbean.com, which hosts our RSS feed, uh, links to all our media and social media, uh, and our show notes, which is going to be rather light this week because it's just going to be a bunch of game lists. <laughs> but you can also find us on iTunes, Google Play, uh, Spotify, or your podcast aggregator of choice except for that one because fuck that one our intro and outro music is on the ground by Kevin McLeod and well we didn't do Discovery Q so we could skip over Doobly Doo uh, but that is also by the same artist if you're interested in that anyway and you find both of those pieces at Incomputech.com as well as with all his other work and as always as his lovely music starts to roll across my voice well, see you next time, time.